Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. 5.30 in the morning, it's RS2 IMSA Radio at the track on 107.9 FM and at this juncture, chance for another VP in-race update with another portion of the race to go. Remember, we didn't start on the half hour or indeed on the hour. A 1.40 start, so another 10 minutes and we will be at the two-thirds distance marker. 511 laps completed and Pipe Dirani leads in the number 31 wheel and engineering Cadillac V-Series R from uh, the Nick Tandy driven Porsche 963 car 6 from Porsche Penske Motorsports. The gap is almost 9 seconds and in third, a third different manufacturer in the form of the Acura ARX06 from Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti. That's Jordan Taylor, son of Wayne and the number 40 car running in third position. LMP2, the top three are all Orica uh, 07s, and it's Aero Motorsports' Christian Rasmussen, number 18, leading by almost 20 seconds over Ferdinand Habsburg in the number eight Tower Motorsports car. Ben Hanley for United Autosports USA is in third car, number two. GTD Pro, now led by Daniel Serra in the Risi Competizione Ferrari 296, number 62, 8.1 seconds in front of Sheldon van der Linden, who's doing a superb job behind the wheel of the Paul Miller Racing BMW M4. He still holds the fastest lap within category, set uh, a good probably hour and a half or so ago when track conditions were at their most perfect, although Nick still admits it's incredibly muggy down in pit road, but the, the track just lended itself nicely to the Paul Miller car doing that 146.094 not too long ago. Third position is the number four Tommy Milner-driven Corvette for Pratt and Miller, Corvette racing by Pratt and Miller. So Ferrari, BMW and Chevrolet Corvette all present in the top three. It's a guessing game as to who might be on top by the end of this. In GTD, two Mercedes leading the way. So that's Philip Ellis in 57 for Winward, ahead of Courtoff Preston Motorsport for Maxi Gertz in number 32. And the 023 uh, Triassi Competizione Ferrari of Riccardo Agostini completes the top three in GTD. That's the latest VP in-race update. And with that, just under 30 minutes of the Night Owls with Sacred Coffee stint to go. Let's catch a little more from Nick Damon. Down with uh, Danny Jungadilla from the Corvette Racing, out of the number three, out from second place. And a bit of a, a ding-dong battle with Daniel Serra in the uh, Ferrari as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just still early in the race, but I think we can already see uh, Ferrari, BMW, they're very fast. Um, the Corvette, uh, the C06 GT3R is very good, uh, to be fair, like, it's just getting better, the cooler it gets, uh, the car feels better, uh, but I feel at the moment we're struggling to fight those guys on pure pace, so I just wanted to give him a bit of a fight, you know, not make, make the way easy, I know it's still a long way to go, but I, wanna, I wanted him to make, uh, to work for his, for his position, and uh, yeah, worked out for a couple of laps. But in the end, I uh, had to give up. How hard can you push? I suppose all the cars, especially you know, your new car, is the first time you've run it. You, you, you must look at thinking about conserving tyres. It's a very limited, limited resource, aren't they? Yeah, that's the thing that with the new compound, 
It's kind of weird. It's not like in the past where you could push uh, the whole stint, then you had sort of a negative degradation with the fuel dropping. Now it's a bit difficult. Um, still learning, you know, about the tire. Um, so, yeah, we, we're suffering with a little bit of degradation at the end of the stint. So I'm trying to keep the tire at early in the stint to try to manage manage those rears uh, to be more consistent at the end. Danny, thanks very much. Thank you. Keeping his powder dry, I think it's fair to say, in that CrowdStrike pit report, but you don't want to speak too soon. Still very early in the race, he says. Well, we have had nearly two-thirds of it <laughs> done now, but I, I get what he means because it's still an eight-hour race that stands in front of us and uh, you know the the kind of bread and butter world endurance championship race length is six hours and we consider those to be a big big challenge uh, this is by no means done yet yeah but to paraphrase he's effectively saying the ferrari was slightly faster yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. keep it simple true uh nick yellowly rejoining by the way after a pit stop in the number 25 bmw so that is in seventh spot and yellowly uh i think will have been right on the button there while well, Conor Philippi bringing the car in after 26 laps and Nick back in the car he was reporting to Nick Damon not too long ago that uh, he'd been away for some rest so was just starting to update in his mind what had been going on with the two cars and there was quite a lot actually to download there yeah well before probably just about the point he went away they were running absolutely in the mix when we came on air uh, into the into the Global Broadcast Centre, they were running in the top four, comfortably not quite at the pace of 31 Weedon Cadillac or of the 01 uh, Cadillac Racing example. And one of those has hit trouble since then. And then both of the BMWs have, but galling for them since they've come back. They're running absolutely on the pace all over again. So whatever their respective problems were are behind them for now. Let's hope they don't get repeated. But that moment where a driver has taken a little bit of time away you don't just walk back in and know exactly what's going on. You know, you know the sort of feel of the garage. There may have been no mechanical problems, but there might be something that the team know about. You've just got so much information to take on board, and you're not at your best. Anybody who's coming to take over a car at uh, five in the morning is hardly going to be feeling sharp. And uh, who was it who told us that? Joseph Newgarden saying, you can never really repair, prepare too much for going through the night. It's going to hurt come what may. A couple of coffees, a couple of espressos, possibly quite not enough uh, to uh, get you through, but you know, each driver does it in a different way. Some some are able to sleep, others simply in their break. They would just want to lie down. Some have a massage. Everybody has a different approach, and it does depend at what point in the race. It also depends how physical the car is you're driving. Yeah. If the car's not behaving, you're going to feel a lot more tired. In fact, you ironically, probably sleep better after driving a car that's been really difficult because you've just burnt through a bit more of your own personal juice. In fact, that'll be the next screen. We'll have that for next year. How much <laughs> personal juice has a driver got left on board while their energy fantastic graphics showing us how they're dropping down nick tandy will be the next driver in from the gtp class he's running in second place because he's only got 30 percent of his juice left whereas recently the people durani's got three quarters of his t energy tank filled at the moment another car coming in soon will be timon van der helm the jdc miller motorsports uh, porsche 963 that's running in sixth place so many so much data to look at but it's great it's just you simply don't have enough eyes or enough time to look at it throughout the entirety of the race while trying to commentate at the same time very difficult i would imagine after one of those tricky stints to actually be able to switch off though as well and uh, you'll be in that sort of state of just dropping off and then you'll jump back awake again thinking am i still in the car oh no 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 <laughs> I, I'm, I'm back in the in the trailer and just need to switch off for a few hours 
Uh, it's a tough old thing, this, but that's why it's such an immense challenge, a 24-hour race wherever it's being held around the world. There's something about Daytona, though, about being, being perhaps the most intense. It feels like you're under a microscope because there's no escape from this place. In the grandstand, uh, spectators can see absolutely every corner, and they will also, I'm sure, pick out Nick Damon in the pit lane. Well, I am perambulating on my own towards the uppermost direction of the pit lane, uh, which I will find the 21 car, the uh, AF Corsa Ferrari, uh, Daniel Serra. Um, looking at the uh, huddle of, of people around the car, I think Daniel stayed on board this time, but he is getting a full set of tyres and obviously a full set of fuel as well. Uh, the checkage appears to be very similar as we saw the Corvette, a bit of a, a fluid top-up, but nothing Untowards. That's all they're going to see where they come out in relation to the three car who they're battling with pretty much as they went through. Just look to my right, and we've got a couple of other cars coming down, including the Mercedes 57 car, which I think actually is one of the leaders in the GTD, uh, uh, GTD Has been. Uh, class. That's the, yeah. that's the uh, car that's uh, the uh, Winwood racing machine that has led for a while. No driver change there, just uh, Tyres, but not even that many tyres. Oh, no, they had the stupidly odd way. Ah, oh, now, this is really interesting. The 57's going to drop down now because it's having to do its brake change. It so did the 57's them at the doing its brake change on the uh, front brake change, actually on the uh, apron, but that's going to cost them some time, so they'll probably uh, uh, forfeit their lead in the class, which is the GTD rather than the GTD Pro. Actually, interesting, I think the 21, which is sitting on the uh, apron about ooh, 100 yards from me, that's also doing its brake change. So... Both the uh, cars around the lead of their perspective uh, GTD-based classes are doing uh, longer stops to uh, make sure they can stop later in the race. OK, Nick, that's very interesting, because the last time the 57 Winwood Mercedes was in the pits, they certainly changed the brakes at the front right. I didn't bother looking at whether they'd done them on the front left. That's the one they're working on now. That'll be most odd. But uh, I thought, as I said to you, Johnny, they're taking the pain now. You said get past the halfway point in the race, then start thinking about a brake yeah. change. I thought it had all been done. So there may be a story down there, and certainly... Uh, Philip Ellis brought it in with about a 30-second lead. He's now tumbled down to third, fourth, fifth in class. Interesting. I don't understand why they don't do one set in one pit stop and one in the next. Well, Who unless knows? they did, and then there's been a problem in that stint with the brakes not quite sitting correctly or snatching, maybe, mm. and the focus was all on the front left corner. They didn't do any work on the, run, on the, on the right side at all, apart from changing tyres. The pads on the left have been used for a long time, so it does suggest that they did front right the previous stop, and they've now finished the job on the front left. Nick's just had a chance to see those pads that will be incredibly hot, and there's not a lot of meat on them now. So that suggests they were installed on the front left from the start of the race, and they've now married them up. Well, I mean, there's only so many personnel you can uh, allow to jump over the wall, and rather than uh, take a, a, you know, a longer stop where you're doing both sides together, they've obviously worked out that a half-and-half half job is quicker in the long run. Yeah, well, I can imagine that, looking at the sort of um, orchestrated ballet of the mechanics working around any of the cars, and you don't just suddenly hop into the pit lane and... Uh, no. You know, you have... This is where so much planning goes in, and, of course, also the ability for all the crews to... Uh, while they're in the race, they can't really look to see what other teams are doing, but if they look at the replays of the race, they can see exactly how the more experienced teams work their pit stops. 
Uh, we've hit the two-thirds uh, point of the race, folks. So that's 16 hours done, and now just under eight hours still to go. 7.59 and 20 seconds, as now the leader in LMP2 is in pit lane. Let's take a CrowdStrike report on that from Nick. Yeah, it's the uh, the era, number 18 car. Uh, Freddie Robinson's got out. Not, again, can't see who's got in, because I'm trying to position myself also so I can watch the Tower Motorsports uh, stop. They're currently second. They're on the wall. They'll be in a lap or so. Uh, this is fuel and tyres, and it's four tyres for the new driver. Now, I think a little bit of a, an effort getting him in the car by the looks of it, but they aren't having to do anything else. They need to replace brakes in the P2 cars, obviously, unless there's a fault with them. And that car gets away at pretty much a faultless stop, and we'll have to see how well the Tower Events team do when they take Freddie Habsburg out and replace him with Michael Dinan. The Night Owls with Sacred Coffee stint nearing its end at very nearly quarter to six in the morning. You're tuned to RS2 IMSA Radio and now there's a drama for Spike the Dragon which is off the road from LMP2. This is Matt Brabham in the AO Racing Orica that has found a tyre wall on the infield and that is the second of the horseshoes, I think I'm right in saying. So, clouting the barrier... No, it's not. It's the first of the horseshoes. International yeah. horseshoe is... Turn three. Of course, more cameras are now being cranked back into life after the overnight stint. We were entirely reliant on Rooftop Ray for the overnight uh, segment. And now viewing from his camera the number 80 car coming down pit lane. But yes, turn three is where Matt Brabham has maybe outbraked himself. Perhaps there was contact with another car, not had the opportunity to, to see how Matt has ended up there but he may well have stalled the car as a result. It's not firing into life, or it's trapped up against the rubber belt at the International Horseshoe. Yeah, the number flashing on the door is, you can see, five, fifth position LMP2, and, and uh, that has uh, really scrambled. Is there going to be any, a replay that shows us anything happening? Well, locked up, going into the corner, very much on the left-hand side. The track was going to the right, and then for Matt suddenly getting onto the grass where he should have been on the tarmac and up against the tarball. Can't see what the degree of damage is. It didn't look like a particularly high-speed impact, but he certainly stuck against the wall there. When the headlights were flashing well before he made the barrier, so whether the engine had cut out as a result of that as well, I'm not quite sure. Nick Damon's got more pit stoppers, though. Oh, yeah, full got course the uh, caution, tower full, full car, full course and it's caution. gone full course yellow. OK, yeah. that's interesting. Now, uh, what I would say... And that was the Tower Motorsport P2 car leaving after a full-service tyres, driver, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think the, uh, that uh, P2, the Batman's P2, had been in about two laps earlier, so he w wasn't exactly straight out the pits. It's like his second, I, my guess is second time round for him. Uh, yeah, so a busy time for uh, the stops in LMP2 and... Um, jumping it while well, some will have beaten the caution being waived of course remember that when a full course caution is announced that automatically closes pit road but some may well have got in before the red light was illuminated and some may well have preempted it of course knowing that Matt was Matt Brabham was uh, tucked in at the international horseshoe there slapped up against the tyre wall and race direction will have given Matt as much time as possible to try and get out of there under his own steam and as soon as that was evident that it wasn't going to happen uh, caution is the result and that means we can take a, a crowd strike pit, pit interview now with Nick Damon uh, <laughs> uh, with Freddie Habsburg just out the town it's quite amusing is that his, his mate's just been covering up a couple of the stickers that aren't quite right for this sentence I put it it's, it's radio uh, which kind of um, confused him slightly uh, 
great, uh, fairly great uh, stint there. The, the tower machine really coming back into contention now. I mean, I think we always had the potential, but we dropped back, you know, that one or two laps in the beginning, which we've luckily got back. So now we're in the battle for the lead, which is just insane. Um, I'm just watching the TV to hope everybody's okay in the accident there. My, my this year's teammate, uh, Paul Lou, is in that car, so I hope he's all right, but I don't think. Anyways, I'm super happy with my stint. Absolutely, I had a new set of tires at the beginning, so I was able to just build up to it, and as the fuel came down, the car really came alive and um, gives me a lot of hope for the, for the, for the race to come. Yeah, the temperature, whilst it's cool, it's refusing to get cool. I mean, how is that affecting the tyre wear for these cars? You, you, everyone's running with limited amounts of sets, so how are you having to, to manage that? I think we're just taking advantage of the cool to, like, make sure we have all the fresh tyres that we need when it gets hot again. So uh, right now the tyre deck is not so bad. Um, of course, it gets quite, you know, brutal towards the end of the second stint, but manageable. So uh, if it was a lot hotter, we would have a lot more troubles. But I think we'll be able to manage with uh, a lot of new sets towards the end, which is what everybody's planning for. I mean, the other thing I'd say, as we've gone through this, this, this deep night hour, has the, uh, the driving been respectful? We saw kind of a bit of a uh, argy-bargy in the first couple of hours, but it does seem to have calmed down. Has everyone got their sensible heads on? I, <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. I've had a pretty lonely race in a way. I'm just out there driving, doing my laps, which I like. You know, I can just focus on myself. Um, I've seen a couple of uh, funny moves in the beginning, for sure. Luckily, we can see the car going back on track. But... Um, yeah, I think everybody's kind of respecting each other. I was able to overtake two or three LMP2 cars, and they always gave the room. So every time I've been out there, they've been fair, and I've tried to be fair back. So hope that will stay till the end of the race, yeah. Great, so thanks, Ferdy. Ferdy, they're helping us with some commentary as well as the 99 car was rejoining on the screen left to us. That's the AO uh, P2 car. I know, doing uh, quite a good job as well. So uh, better watch me back. He's uh, very handy indeed behind the wheel of particularly an LMP2 car. But uh, that phrase we can see on radio... We'll have to stamp that out very early on in his broadcasting career. But I can assure you the 99 Spike the Dragon car has indeed got going again with the help of the marshals. Didn't prevent the full course caution coming out, though. And it had been a while since we were last in caution. So this will be a full uh, wave around and uh, the two-segment pit stop phase as well. Just going to check how long that green flag running was uh, until... I think I think a third yellow during our segment. That's a vast improvement on some of the broadcast stints that I did last year when most people were blaming me for full course cautions and for safety cars and for code 60s in other championships. Two hours, 36 minutes and 32 seconds of green. I'm very proud of that. Frankly, Johnny, I'm surprised you're back, but you've redeemed yourself, but we've still got another commentary stint of three hours coming up. We have well, a little two-hour break. You've got a chance to recharge your batteries and then get the drivers back on the toes. But really good to see that, uh, man, that the Brabham-driven car, the Spike, getting going all over again. So for AO Racing, they live on, because it was going absolutely fine. But I think Nick pointed out it... Matt Bradman had just taken a pit stop in that, and it was probably his second time around, his first time at full speed. But it was interesting that Spike just seemed to not want to turn. You could see all the dust being kicked up at the outside of the circuit. Then he was on the grass, and then it kissed the barriers. it be interesting to see what the front left damage is on that car, if much at all. Yeah, as you say, relatively slow speed, but uh, he would have felt the hmm. contact with the tyre wall. I, I would be very surprised if... Uh, any of the crucial innards of the LMP2 car, drivetrain, etc., and uh, drive shafts will be affected by that. But it might be that the the splitter needs to be replaced. Similar, in fact, to the 04 crowd strike by APR car earlier on when Stewie Cox was chatting to Joe Bradley in a previous crowd strike pit lane report, describing um, 
just a nose to tail bit of contact and they carried that damage for a, a, a few stints actually before they then took the opportunity to change the front clip as it's coined and if you weave that into a driver change you don't lose much time at all in actual fact the longer stops are the time to do that rather than just a just a fuel stop for instance Tommy Milner's just brought the Corvette in and back out again and that was surely for emergency service because uh, the rest well first of all the GTPs haven't been allowed to pit so he's had to come in no doubt for fuel and yeah goes back out again and let's hope that that was a very short stop indeed and they didn't do any more than they were permitted to do in a closed pit lane from the lead of the race in GTD Pro the Corvette Neil Verhagen installed into the Paul Miller Racing BMW M4 during the last stop, car number one, and Davide Rigon in the 62 Risi Competizione Ferrari. Another nine minutes to go before we reach the top of another clock hour, and that will be six o'clock in the morning here at Daytona. So here come the GTPs right towards Nick Damon, and you're going to be presented with the first, the second, the third, and possibly more cars all at once so eyes everywhere in this crowd strike pit report yeah. the first to hit its marks is the 31 nick yeah it's a, it's a complete phalanx and i'm kind of it's quite interesting because my view gets occluded by another gtp each time because i'm sort of I'm at the kind of the far end of the, of the list of them and, a, and one pops in and covers the next one now one thing i can tell you is that the uh, the proton car's gone for a driver change that's the number five the mustang sampling uh sponsorship also a full set of tires Already underway is the Whelan car, and I think, yep, Durrani stays on board, recognise the helmet. Uh, running into second place, that's the 40, the Acura, the deep red car. Again, not, uh, uh, anything more about three cars, but I can't tell you if it's changed driver or not. Uh, the car close to me is the 52, that's of course the uh, Inter Europol P2. There goes, now if the Porsches are all through awake, they've got the six car, and interestingly, all of them showing about the same amount of time. The one car that's been left behind at the party is the JDC Miller, the 85, the yellow car. They've had the rear deck off that. They've had the rear deck for a look. They haven't changed it, I don't believe. Um, full set of tyres. JDC Miller car comes down off the jacks. So, you know, you can take these extra 20, 30 seconds. It's absolutely fine. You're not losing anything apart from a bit of track position. And that car goes away. So, uh, question is, who changed the driver? Nick Damon down in the pit lane with that crowd strike pick report as we gently bring to a close the famous, nay infamous Night Owls session and for the moment at least uh, we bid a fond farewell to our Night Owls of Bruce Jones and Johnny Palmer powered through that four hour session by Sacred Coffee available in uh, Europe and the US they got their own grinding and roasting facility in the US now search sacred coffee for wherever you are in the world fulfill your coffee needs and that is just about it as far as our coverage on Peacock is concerned thanks to our colleagues from NBC for handing off their airwaves the world feed 
flag to flag coverage for international viewers continues and of course if you're in the US you can stay up to date if you're moving around as the sun starts to come up this Sunday morning with Sirius XM channel 207 or imsaradio.com and that is on RS2 part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels for those of you in the US at 6 Eastern the video coverage picks back up again with our US colleagues just about a couple of booths further down to my left actually it's a bit bizarre at the moment because as I look to my left uh, I can see the real TV booth and the TV booth that they built last night for the movie and the coverage continues on USA Let's head back down to the pit lane for this crowd strike pit reports. Nick Damon has snagged himself a driver. I've snagged myself Neil Yarny out of the number five, the Proton car. Um, as the race is going on, it appears to be getting better and better for you guys. Well, our uh, testing is uh, the race because we haven't been testing here like all the other guys in December. Uh, so we tried to do a lot of laps here. First time with this car on this track. Uh, Romain and Alessio, first time ever in this car. So, you know, we're just getting better with every lap. We're learning which pressures work, at what condition. Just the basics, basically, at each stint. And hopefully, by the end of the race, uh, we are there and we know what we need to do. How much can you do to the car without taking the engine cover off and adjusting the ride height and the, and the springs and everything else? Um... You know, there's tire pressures, you play a lot to it. And especially with the hot weather we had and now cooling down, um, it's quite crucial to be always on top of it, especially because of the minimum target. And as soon as you overshoot, you are, uh, lose a lot of pace. When you undershoot, obviously you're illegal. Uh, so it's, it's, that is experience and that's what we are learning now. Great, sir. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. Nick Damon down in the pit lane. Uh, with Neil Janney from the number five Mustang sampling Porsche. And that's just about all we have time for for our viewers on Peacock who've been with us here on IMSA.TV and IMSA Radio over the night time period. Once again, our thanks to our colleagues at NASCAR Productions and NBC for putting this together for the overnight coverage for you night owls powered by Sacred Coffee. For those of you in the US, switch over to the USA Network where co coverage continues through to the end of the 62nd running of the Rolex 24 hours at Daytona. Meanwhile, for the rest of the world and those of you here around the circuit on 107.9, it's John Heindorf and Peter Mackay. Still very dark here 
and I'm sort of trying to cast my mind back, Peter, to last year when we did exactly the same and we came back and picked up after Johnny and Bruce on the the overnight on the Night Owls coverage. And I, I can't remember when it started to get light. In real terms, it's, uh, it's about 13, just over 13 hours of 13 hours and 17 minutes of official darkness. Sunrise at 7.15, so over, over an hour uh, away. And hopefully, and I've been looking at the weather forecast all the time we've been away, hopefully I think we've dodged the potential rain that was forecast yesterday. And it came really close to us. It came, and Jeremy was spot on when he, he said it's about four miles away, and it, it passed straight over the top of the circuit, basically just over the northwest of the circuit, and uh, missed us just. Um, so hopefully that means we stay dry for the rest of the uh, the race, particularly for all those uh, uh, weary campers uh, in the uh, infield when we welcomed EMSA uh, President John Doonan uh, into the booth uh, just at the but around midnight last night um, he said that the infield is absolutely packed, there's not any spare space at all left so hopefully it stays dry uh, for them and hopefully we'll get one of these well, just so dramatic Lion King-esque Floridian sunrises, that's what I've come for Hello to Red Square Images that's, uh, and he's written this so don't have a go at me Irish Kev uh, so that's Silverstone in the middle of the carbon fibre triangle in Northamptonshire and Buckinghamshire in the UK. Hello, Kev. Good morning. Not the, a bad go at an accent at six o'clock in the morning, John. <laughs> you don't know Kev. I tell you, he's a top bloke. He, he really is. Lights are out on the safety car. And Pipo Durrani then will lead us back to green. The Cadillac pulls off to the right-hand side. It's the darker of the two cars. Here are the bright white lights of the GTP cars. And immediately jumping out of line and up and over the top. They're going three wide down on the transition with the Porsche on the infield side. That's Felipe Nazar and Jordan Taylor's right there as well. The top three on the lead lap. In fact, still the top six on the lead lap down towards the... International hairpin, two Porsches having a look down the, the inside at one time there for a moment. But it looks like Durrani, who's obviously on the same shift pattern as we are, Peter, because he's he's doing the long shifts when we're on. And down towards the... It's probably where the similarities end. Almost certainly, yes. First time I met people, Durrani, was at a World Endurance Championship prologue at Paul Ricard in the south of France. And he was happy as a clam because he had an LMP2 drive and the, the car was up on the high stands, no wheels on, getting some work done. And he said, and I was doing an interview with him and he said, would you like to get in my car? Oh, Nick Damon's just said he did you buy before that. You're absolutely right. That's how it must have been how I knew him uh, I was just wondering there why he bothered to speak to me, but that's right, we must have been in Dubai together, Nick, thank you. And he said, would you like to sit in the car? I laughed, obviously. I'd have got in, I'd have still been in it now, I'd have been wearing that LMP2. This is, this is incredible, we've got six cars on the lead lap in GTP, that's how impressive this race has been and how close it has been 
four of them are Porsches, both uh, both privately entered Porsches, the uh, JDC Miller car and the Proton Competition car, both on the lead lap with the two works cars. I think that's incredible. couple of penalties uh, with improperly served emergency service obligation for the Ford Mustang of Fred Favich, the number 65. That sounds... And that's a stop plus 10. That sounds like they probably took too much fuel, um, not just the five seconds, or they did something else to the car. And also for the Risi Competizione Ferrari in second, Davide Regon is going to have to do a drive-through. Oh, my goodness. Uh, not properly manned on the fire extinguisher. And that's a safety one again. And we talked about no penalties in our Michelin countdown to green Davide Regon in the pit lane now stays in the full speed lane oh, from push. second and GTD that's going to hurt just after a restart but he wants to get it out the way further back it's uh, fastest lap of the race for Scott Andrews in the number 80 Mercedes AMG that's the Lone Star Racing car. They've done really well. They're on the lead lap in mm. in class in GTD. They had a, a quite a tough uh, quite a tough test and indeed practice, but they've uh, they've just worked and chipped away at it, and they're right in the hunt. Three Mercedes AMGs on the lead lap in GTD as Pippo Durani comes over the start finish line he's opening up a big gap he's at gone. the front already he's checking out yeah and Felipe Nazar in second trying to hold off his teammate Nick Tandy he's in a different postcode at the moment it looks like has he got super boost or something run over a turtle or I have no clue but he's opened up now in the space of one green flag lap 2.6 seconds the battle is on for second position with the two Porsches going down towards the western end of the infield to the horseshoe. Both taking rather odd lines there. There was a defensive line from Felipe Nazar and Nick Tandy's teammate right there as well. Now, it would not please Mr Penske if those two came together, Peter. No, it would not. Um, but they're even just fighting is allowing people Durani to escape because in sector one, Felipe Nazar in second place lost seven tenths of yeah. a second yeah. to Durani. That lap where Durani opened up that 2.2 second advantage, he was only three tenths of a second off that car's best, which is the best of the race. So Durani has just switched it on straight away. You mentioned half a dozen cars on the lead lap, of which 50% of them exactly are Porsche 963. Oh, 66%. Oh, really? Four out of six. Oh, four out of six. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So both private yes. cars and both, both work cars. Both private cars and both work cars. I, I apologise to the, the JDC Miller Motorsports team with that uh, bright yellow number 85. My eyes were drawn to the two BMWs next up. The yellow submarine snuck up on you. It really has. <laughs> Stealthily. Uh, Johnny Palmer reminds me that Sunrise last year on Sunday the 29th, which is when this race ran, was exactly the same time as this year, 7.15. So I had, I had no recollection of coming back in this much darkness. I thought it was already starting to get light last year. Extraordinary. Been a long night, 13 hours and 17 minutes of darkness by the time the sun starts to peak over the eastern horizon. 
And at the moment, it's Pete Wardurani who is driving into that sunrise with the remaining Cadillac. Mechanical issues for the 0-1 car when it was running very well indeed, and then it wasn't. It stopped out on the circuit. And joins the growing list of cars with issues from all of the manufacturers, to be honest. We first lost the TDS Racing Origa on lap 58. Stephen Thomas taking a wild ride after clipping the exit curb of the Le Mans chicane and hitting the safer barrier pretty much head on. The 88 Origa LMP2 of uh, Richard Milief Corsa lasted 107 laps. Daniel Goldberg, 128 for United Autosports. They had a couple of cars to get that car back moving after an accident. But the 22 went no further than that. 185, Seth Lucas. Finally, the MDK by High Class Racing. Origa cried enough. The number 20 car had been put through the ringer quite a bit, in, in fairness. Lucas Stoltz was the last driver in the Sun Energy One Mercedes. 193. In the 193 laps completed for that brightly coloured 75. Iron Lynx Lamborghini number 60 went on lap 293. Magnus Racing, Spencer Pumpelli was the last driver of the number four Aston Martin 294. 303 lap, another Aston Martin Hartner Racing team, the 27 car was retired. Alex Lynn was the last driver of the 13. That had a troubled start the race. They somehow got it to 308 laps. Haven't seen that one for a while. So we'll keep an eye on that to see if it does pop back out again. Gianmarco Leverato for Proton Mustang. did He and his team did 367 laps in the light blue number 55, light blue and white car. And following, following on this number 11 and double numbers the 66 Tatiana Calderon driven gradient racing Acura retired on lap 368 to the pits and it's not been seen since neither has the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus RS they got the 397 that car with Mike Conway on board involved in an accident actually with the 20 high-class racing car very early on the car got back it was rebuilt it's turned some laps but uh, not been seen for quite some time lap 397 given that we are working lap 531 at the moment fastest lap of the race for Nick Tandy's car just been turned by the man from Bedfordshire in the centre of England 136.2 and he did that whilst passing Felipe Nazar. So now it's 31.67 Cadillac Porsche Porsche. Uh, still with uh, Jimmy Bruni sitting in fourth place. Just another three tenths of a second behind Felipe Nazar. So the three Porsches now beginning to work together. This is more sensible, Peter Mackay. You cannot give a driver of the standards and the tenacity of people Durrani and a team like the wheel and engineering squad you can't give them any advantage and all of a sudden that 3.2 seconds will be starting to worry Roger Penske and the rest of the Porsche teams and this is one of the 
few times we've seen in the race where the, the, the Cadillac has jumped away on the restarts and has had a point. quick sprint start when we, we've what their real strength has been is big long green flag running where they just go in this relentless pace and begin to slowly pull away but this is the first time we've shown this burst of pace meanwhile in GTD it's a complete punch up as it has been all the way through and the GTD Pro and GTD intermingling um, between one another Phil Ellis for the uh, Winwood Racing team uh, leading the way right now but by an absolute whisker he's battling tooth and nail with Robbie Foley in the Turner BMW right now and in LMP2 well there's about a car length between <laughs> the leader Connor Zilich for Aero Motorsport and Toby Sowery in the 04 CrowdStrike racing car two youngsters who have just blown us away uh, yeah. I, I, it's, you took the words out of my mouth impressed is not a strong enough word for these two youngsters Connor Zilich, who we're used to seeing recently in the uh, Whelan Mazda MX-5 Cup. We had two outstanding races, one on Thursday, one on Friday here at Daytona. Their now traditional season opener. Already they are posted on the official IMSA YouTube channel. And I am not for a moment suggesting you tune away from what you're seeing now. But this week, if you've got... A couple of gaps of 45 minutes, perhaps on your lunch break. I suggest you settle down and put that on. If you want to see 45 minutes times two of pure racing and excitement from start to finish, the Whelan Porsche, excuse me, Whelan Mazda MX-5 Cup is uh, absolutely the place to go. Quick shot there of the Lamborghini was that the number 45? Yes, going it was. Into its garage, Peter. Yeah, the Wayne Taylor Racing uh, with Andretti, the Dex Imaging car in GTD, uh, running a little bit further down the, the order. Um, so it has not been a good 60-second Rolex 24 Daytona for the Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti crew. Their number 10, Konica Minolta car, uh, had... Um, well, was in the garage for a couple of hours uh, repairing an electrical issue. Their Lamborghini, as we just talked about, has gone back to the garage. Uh, however, the number 40 car, the other Dex Imaging, Acura GTP, driven by Jordan Taylor right now, is on the lead lap, 10 seconds off the lead, after Louis Delatraz ground to a halt just three, four hours ago and had to recycle the car and get going. So they're still in it. So that's it's not all lost yet. Yeah, that number 10 car, if you weren't with us earlier... Uh, was Philippe Albuquerque in that car and it just went dead stick on him after a little bit of a smell of electrical burning he thought, they replaced the wiring loom in a couple of hours I'll tell you now, that's an incredible feat to do that, these are complicated piece, pieces of machinery and now Kyle Marcelli back to the paddock area in that Lamborghini Huracan Evo for Wayne Taylor Racing so in to the Le Mans chicane for the number 18 era motorsport car keeping their traditional colours of uh, blue at least mostly blue this year on that car always an easy one to uh, identify winner two years ago yeah they know how to win exactly Peter you're right CrowdStrike have had a good night as well Stuart Cox will kill me for saying that won't he 
They are still running very much at the sharp end of the field. Getting some good times now coming in. Tom Dillman in fourth position in the Inter-Europol by PR1. He's just done that car's fastest lap of the race, the yellow and green machine. But the battle at the front of LMP2 has remained tight since the last restart a few moments ago as we come up to 6.15 in the morning, Eastern. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are this Sunday. 11.15 in the UK. Welcome to those of you who stayed through the night, maybe feeling the pace a little bit now. The Dubai 24 hours finished a wee while ago. Maybe a few of you have got a sh couple of hours shut eye and come to join us here on this live coverage. What a weekend for endurance racing. Monte Carlo Rally will reach its climax today. Peter's been keeping a careful eye on that. It's been very close, has it? Yes, yeah, very, very close. Elvin still there? No. Oh. No. Um, it's down to two other drivers. I won't spoil it. Okay. I won't spoil it. Okay. No, save it for later. Save it for later. Okay. <laughs> see if I can pick up the highlights uh, later on. We could watch it on my own life oh, later. Okay. We could see, yeah. Right. Excellent. Yeah, we could be entirely antisocial at dinner later. <laughs> <laughs> no. No change there after 24 hours of working. Nick Damon is our crowd strike pit reporter for this segment of the race. Uh, not in the pits, though, Nick. No, I've been. Uh exercising myself and the fact that no one's going to go anywhere in the pits because of that yellow for a few minutes and I had to walk right around the paddock so um, the uh, bad well good or bad or a different news is unless you're the 45 Lamborghini uh, which came in a second ago and if you're scored behind the wall uh, you're not coming back because no one is working on any cars apart from that 45 there's a number of effectively really if you, if you have two numbers on your car which are the same uh, <laughs> you're in big trouble and you're under a car cover or you've given up um, so yes, it's the only car having any work done is the 45. Just, uh, Alvin, is the 10 car yep. actually going round? Yes, like, it is. Brett, oh, it's Hartley. back out again because I, I was wondering whether it just stuck it on the truck. It's been in and out like a, 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 a piston. It's like a, it's the most cleanest in and out I can think of. Um, and they, well uh, done at this time, of the day. Thank you very much. Good save. Uh, I, I was you missed my magnificent opening to this uh, section at five in the morning, where I confused myself by saying the word Nick because I was talking to Nick Yellowly and thought, why are you talking about yourself? Um, well, it's because it's all about you, Lou. Well, it, not at that time of day, it's not. So, yeah, so we've, we've seen a, a, a level of attrition in, uh, uh, recently. It's obviously, for example, I've walked right there, none of the P2 cars, they've all been packed up and gone. So, yeah, oh, right. if, you're, if you're out, you're staying out if you're not the Lamborghini. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't, I mean, apart from the large number of P2s, I don't, suppose, I don't think it's been a particularly attritious race, is it? Well, three P2s, four P2s have bitten the dust. Uh, it is, in that case, if you take out the Wayne Taylor Lamborghini, there are five GTDs and three GTD Plus. A dozen, round dozen official retirements, I'm being told, from our producer Aaron. Just under Concord. a quarter. Just yeah. under a quarter of the cars that started. Um, but they've been spread relatively evenly across the, the classes. Uh, with Well, actually, Only with the exception one GTP. of... GTP. Yes, with the exception of GTP. So the GTP unquestionably the most complex cars and seemingly the most reliable on this day. Oh, I've said it now, haven't I? Oh, no. <laughs> Let's, uh, yeah, so just recap that. That's four LMP2s, three GT4s, 
two, four, five GTDs and a GTP. With that Lamborghini not counting, the 45 Lamborghini Wintailer racing car being worked on at the moment, so we're not writing that one off just yet. And there are no double-numbered cars left, are there? We haven't got a 55 or a... 77. 77. We do. Oh, we do have a... What do we have? Uh, AO Racing. Oh, 77. Uh, Rexy. Oh, yes, you're oh, right, of course. Sorry, AO Racing. Oh, yes, that's the that's oh. the last one. Lauren Heinrich in that car, 15 GT... D Pro at the moment will the will the curse of the divisible oh, no. by eleven? That's a great chapter for a book, isn't it? The curse of the numbers divisible by eleven. It's not the catchiest title I've ever heard. Do you think not? No, not quite. Not quite. <laughs> Jordan Taylor now the wheel back with the uh, back with his family team Wayne Taylor Racing and. Switching back to Porta, he's driven for Corvette for several years, picked up lots of success, championships, Rolex 24-hour wins, but back in a back in a prototype. And he's got a, a new helmet painted for this uh, for this race with his two dogs, uh, Fonzie and Chachi, that are on the back of his uh, helmet that. and running with him. Two golden doodles, lovely dogs. 99 is still running as well, which is the other AO racing car. Did have a bit of an issue; it brought out the last yellow. Correct. Uh, um, but, but, it's but just, it's still going. It's yeah. just gone out of the pits with Alex Quinn behind the wheel, I believe. It's good. So, so we'll see if that one so comes So if you want around. to break the curse, you've got to either be a dragon or a dinosaur. Well, yeah. works. always have got a little bit of magic dust, there haven't you they? Go. This is not what you're expecting when you tuned into the race <laughs> programme, is it? Things, if you're a... Uh, if you're an aficionado of long-distance racing, and particularly in the overnights... Um, I, I accept that it's not overnight everywhere, but uh, it's been a very busy few days for the broadcast team, so we do tend to get a bit um, tangential at this stage of the motor race. We'll bring back the voices of reasoning, Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones, in about an hour and a half's time, and then we'll go directly to the flag. Do not pass go do not collect any more full course yellows if you don't mind like to have a nice long run at the end of the race I suspect so would the 31 wheel and engineering oh, yeah. team as well because they've been good Nick Tandy however has pulled that gap down he's about halved it in the last couple of laps the LMP2 battle continues to be entertaining as well with Connor Zilic uh, just a couple of seconds now ahead of Toby Sabri. Pato Award, which I almost stumble over every time I see his name written as Patricio Award, but it is his full name, Pato Award, one of 14 active IndyCar drivers in the field at the start. He's in the third place in LMP2, then Tom Dillman for Inter-Europol. So, go down for a crowd strike pit report, and indeed, Nick Damon is picking off the drivers as they get out of their cars in this early morning session, and he's caught up with Matt Brabham. Matt, I have to ask you, what, what happened on that second or third lap out? Um, yeah, obviously, just uh, got caught out there a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, didn't, didn't want to do that, so obviously disappointed, and, uh, you know, we were looking uh, really good there, so, yeah, just big apology to the team, and, uh, I mean... Yeah, just yeah, 
sucks, but uh, you know those things happen. So I just got to move on from it. Was there actually any damage to the car? Um, I'm not sure. I, I mean, we did touch a little bit, but uh, everything felt okay. But it's hard to know. I mean, we have to kind of. I was just trying to focus on driving there at the end, but hopefully, hopefully, nothing that really affects us too much. I mean, luckily, there's been some yellows that will come up and get a chance to catch up in the in the 99 AOP2. I mean, how is this this uh, Orica going? Is, is it a good car to drive? Sorry, what's that? Is, is this car, you know, on the whole, a, a good car to drive throughout stint? Oh yeah, it's so much fun to drive. I mean, the racing is uh, so awesome to be a part of, and uh, yeah, it's tough out there, and uh, and and the racing's hard, and it makes it so much fun. So I had a blast out there, but obviously just yeah, disappointed myself, and uh, had to just move on from that mistake and learn and, and keep pushing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I, I didn't see the whole thing. Was it, was it a, a bit of a, a touch of some traffic, or did you just go off on your own? Uh, I just came out of the pits on cold tyres and just lost it a little bit going into turn one and went straight on, and uh, I just wasn't expecting it to be so slippery and um, just locked it up and went off. So, yeah, just, just a mistake, and, you know, obviously, uh, I just feel bad my teammates because they're doing such a good job, and, you know, we were right up there in contention uh, in the top three, so... Yeah, it would have been uh, nice to, to give the car back over in, in, uh, in that same position. But, yeah, I mean, it happens. Thanks for your honesty, mate. That's Matt Brabham out of the 99 AO LMP2. I would expect nothing uh, else from a Brabham. My, he's had a varied career. Good to see him in that car here at IMSA. Let's check back in with Toby Sowery. Three seconds away from Connor Zilich at the lead of LMP2 in the CrowdStrike Algarve Pro Racing at number 04. Going through the Le Mans chicane at the moment, the CrowdStrike next-gen cybersecurity car is the red and white machine, and he is trying to get back on terms. I suspect he's been given a little bit of a hurry-up by his team because Pato Award has started to close in on him. Now just two and a half seconds further back. At the front of the field, coming through to the same part of the track on the back straight before he dives left, right, left into the bus stop Le Mans chicane is our leader Pipo Durrani Nick Tandy just holding steady around about one and a half, two seconds in arrears but he's pulled away, Nick Tandy has pulled away from the other two Porsches, Philippe Nasser now four seconds behind and about the same gap between Nasser and Broody there or thereabouts but it's Porsche 963's second, third, fourth and fifth now with Phil Hansen having got ahead of Jordan Taylor so that is a new fourth, uh, fifth position excuse me for the number 85 the bright yellow car and I have to say I didn't see that happen so I apologise for that but that must have been in the last couple of laps and Hansen has pulled away by a couple of seconds. The Porsches getting into their stride. If you if you think about this, there's a certain look to the sort of 80s and 90s here with two Porsche works cars and two customer cars beginning to gang up on the rest of the field. No question. This is what the you know the Porsche 962 is really the ultimate customer prototype the ultimate Porsche customer prototype and it defined the GTP era in the uh, the 1980s and really dominated this race and you couldn't do that without having good customer teams who could buy the cars and race them and in uh, 
GDC Miller and Proton competition. They have just excelled um, with cars. So they, yes, JDC Miller ran the car for, for a, a part of, of last year, but they're a, they're a private team and they're kind of doing it all on their own. Um, Proton competition, as uh, Neil Yanni said, they didn't come to the December test, so they've had to do their testing through race week. They've done more miles than anyone through race week, and they've had to get Alessio Piccarello up to speed in his first race in a prototype, let alone a 963, uh, and Roman Dumas, not his first race in a prototype, but the first race in this one. Got the leader in LMP2 passing the leader in GTD. This is the joy of multi-class racing. Phil Ellis, Philip Ellis in the windward number 57. Uh, sees Connor Zilic go through. Uh, I'm indebted to Josh Barrett, a well-known voice around the circuits of the United Kingdom. Random Toby Sari fact. He started car racing in the 750 Motor Club Toyota MR2 class racing with and against George Russell God, where is he now eh? uh. um, <laughs> when they were getting their license signatures before they went to F4 that's excellent Josh that one is tucked away Yep. see if only, if only George had followed a better career path he could have been doing sports car racing here well, Toby, to, <laughs> see what we did there. <laughs> Toby Sowery, he's got, kind of gone down the American single seater mm. path, going up to uh, previously Indy Lights, now known as Indy NXT. There's several of those drivers in the field. You mentioned John, 14 full time NTT IndyCar drivers in the field, where there's another huge raft uh, in the support classes yeah. for, and the ladder, the what was previously known as the road to Indy. Now, not a battle for position between the 57. Uh, windward Mercedes and the number one BMW because they are, yes, they are both uh, the same spec of car effectively, but they're in different cra- different classes. Uh, the 57 car of Phil Ellis is in GTD. Well, that's, your leader. that's another class leader. They're, they're, they're both class leaders. Yeah, they're both looking. They're both looking at each other, going, "You're going fast. No, you're fast. Oh, we're great, aren't we? Yeah, we're great." That's another lap about to be put on the GTD leader. The GTD pros got a lap on the field in the same way the GTDs did last year uh, when one of the early safety cars fell that split that field up and that basically pushed all the GTD pros ahead by a full lap of the GTD cars that, so that's nothing to do with the pace that was a vagary of a safety car and what a story this would be for the Windward Racing team they have won Don't. this well they have won this before but last year they had the they had the roller coaster of weeks. They had a horrible crash in practice at turn one, uh, turn two, effectively into the wall. There, they had to go, they had to fly the crew back to um, or drive back to uh, Pasadena, Texas, 952 miles away. Pick up another chassis, drive it back. Um, not the car on the road, they put it in the truck um, and then rebuilt it, got ready for the race, and they nearly won it last year. So they're always a force here. Biggest movers overnight, Jimmy Bruni, six spots, and Connor Zilic uh, was the best in LMP2, ten spots. GTD Pro, also the leader, the Paul Miller Racing BMW, 11 spots for them. And in GTD, the best mover overnight was the again the leader. This is telling the story, isn't it? And this was started by Daniel Morad when we were on before midnight. And it was, Aaron, did you say 17 spots there for 
the number 57. 16, my apologies. Thank you, Aaron. Crunching the numbers. Yeah, the, all, all the AMGs had a horrible uh, test and qualifying um, and uh, early practice. And they, 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 they with the balance of performance process, they got brought a little bit back into the uh, the window. And that's, that's allowed them to compete because they really were nowhere at the beginning of the week. So that what that's meant, though, is that the Windward crew have had to really charge up the field. So no wonder they've gained uh, so many positions as I say Daniel Morad started that a very very long time ago it was very impressive to watch he laid the groundwork got into the top three and the rest of the team have worked on it that looks to me as there's a fire in the back of the number three Corvette this is the car that's lost the right rear light I see flames there I saw a little bit of smoke with one of the P2 cars coming up behind now is that just a bit of rubber build-up underneath the engine cover or is it something more sinister? This is the third-place car in GTD Pro, Tonio Garcia with the one working rear light. Should that stop working, by the way, they would have to come in and fix that immediately. Looking for any more signs of smoke and flames. Definitely saw a lick of flame underneath. I can see maybe is there something coming out of the centre exhaust pipes as well is it is that the, just dust or is it that it's the light that, oh, the rear that light on? that's dislodged is it the rear light I yes. think it might be wow but there's certainly a lot of dust or dirt being thrown up from that car it's coming onto the tri-oval now we'll take a look as it comes by us a little bit of damage on the rear deck more dust I am not happy with with the amount of haze coming out of the back of that car. We'll keep a very weather eye on that machine. Nick Damon is down by the Pratt Miller Corvette racing team and there is no concern. They're just not uh, they're not even they're not into that thing where you stare and point at the screen when it's your car. Uh, you know, they are just looking at some numbers, looking at some images, but they seem to have no concern. There's no activity at all. So apparently it is either a bit of, you say, build-up, or even more exciting, the, the light that's been stuck back in the back of the car. <laughs> There's an awful lot of dust or something that's being thrown up from the back of the car. We always get a bit of exhaust glow from the... The Corvettes are very much Batmobile-esque, so there's a little red glow on the exhaust outlets. I'm seeing a bit of haze from that car, even as it's going down the back stretch towards the Le Mans chicane. The Was it exhaust glow underneath? No, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. I think there's, there's something the rubbing uh, that's causing the smoke. Tyre rub on the right-hand side? Maybe yeah. the exhausts rubbing up against some part of the bodywork and causing a, a little bit. It's definitely getting worse. It seems to be, again, I'm trying to look underneath the back of the car as it comes round to us. This could be drama. It's concern from me, but not from the team. So it, and they would see it on the data if there was a problem, you would imagine. It's already... Uh, no, oh, no, oh, no, there's definitely... Oh, I, 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 you were right the first time. Definitely right flame. I think there's a leak. I think there's some kind of fluid leak at the back of that car. The back of the car is already quite oily and grimy. And once in a while, it gets onto something hot. 
but then it's getting I think it's getting blown out again but there was another flash of flame there definitely my eyes old though they may be were not deceiving me two laps ago there was definitely a flash there um, so and look at the haze out the back of the yeah, car Peter no I'm, I'm with you I'm with you on that one John and the back of the car is I know we're at what are we 17 hours into a, a 24 hour race and the, but the car is more filthy than it could be Oh, there's definitely yeah. a flash of flame there in the in the in the engine bay. You can actually maybe see just behind it, the engine. You can actually see it more, Peter, because of the fact that that right-hand rear light isn't there. Mm. I mean, but, definitely a glow from the exhaust. We've we've been used to that down through the years. But having that rear light missing, it might be getting a bit of extra airflow uh, in and putting the putting the fire out when it does ignite. Point, uh, what what good fire makes this could the be, draw. This could be something that they could sort under, under well, either under a full course yellow or just, just in a regular pit stop. They, you've got to remember how good the Pratt Miller crew uh, are. Yes, there's a different nomenclature, but make no mistake, Corvette racing with pros in the car, they're still the, a proper force to be reckoned with. Now, Nick Damon uh, is down by Pratt Miller. The worry will be if that car stops and there's no airflow going through, would that cause a conflagration? Yeah, even a full course yellow. As it yeah. comes to a halt, or exactly, if it has to slow down. So, Pratt Miller, watching what we are doing, uh, watching what we are seeing, and probably listening to my commentary on the PA as well, from shrugging their shoulders and saying, what is Heindhoff talking about? Have they started looking <laughs> more interested, Nick Dim? Well, interestingly, when we had that slow-mo shot of the uh, flame at the back of the car, then they stood up and pointed at the televisions. Uh, some of the mechanics, but now they are getting um, the fire suits on the helmets. I think they're just getting ready. There's no, uh, apart from a man with a fire extinguisher on the uh, pit wall, there's no immediate action. But I think they are now realising there could be a problem. They need to bring that car in a little bit early, earlier than they would wish. It's been out for. Uh, let me see. That's the number three car, isn't it? It's been out for 22 laps for that car. It's team car with Nicky Katzberg driving it, one pit ahead uh, meantime, whilst that drama unfolds, something more oh, something slightly less random and more reasonable, we've got standard pit stops for the top two big battling in yeah. LMP2 yeah, the 18 era car and the number four, the CrowdStrike machine uh, both Oracle 07s of course, because the only Ligier is down in ninth, uh, they are both in the pits, a bit away from me because obviously I'm hanging around the Corvette racing uh, pit box. Uh, it's, it's certainly the CrowdStrike car is getting four tyres. I think they changed drivers last time, so the driver will stay on board. Uh, if it's Connor, is it Connor Zilic in that one? Um, and then, of course, I don't think that. Uh, and uh, we'll then see who's going to go there. Actually, the tower cars come in as well. So it's, it is interesting that the the, um, the P2s really do just come in as a phalanx. Even the ones which have got a different chassis because they've got the same engine. The 33 Sean Creech car comes in as well. Uh, so we're going to get a complete raft of P2s. They've all been called stuck together by that last yellow which was now what 45 minutes ago John 40 minutes ago you've mentioned it now Nick that's you've, you've palmed the whole thing oh no oh, is, it, oh, is, it, is that a verb now oh yeah absolutely well only Johnny is blessed with that uh, that kind of power do you think mm. do you remember last year yes we had that super long run six hours yeah and Johnny came on it was part of the night shift wasn't it Oh, was it? It was, it it the, was the, the morning shift. No, it was the morning shift. The, and he yeah. says, we, we've been green for ages. And ah, then yeah, it was we've a been ten, green for and, and a countdown from 10. And I was actually yellow. watching our production <laughs> Skype chat 
and the responsible adult Eve Hewitt said I can't believe you've just said that Johnny full course yellow coming in 10 9 8 I don't even think she got to 5 and the full course there yellow was out yeah so team strategist listens to Johnny Palmer and if he comes out with anything like that be ready for the yeah, get your be car ready in. to jump and get your car yeah, in yeah get your car and top <laughs> off the first oh. vestiges of sunlight off towards the beach and that lovely sort of expectant glow of dark Etruscan orange in the sky there's a bit of a cloud front over the ocean at the moment uh, which is just blocking out the the best of the light but we're still about half an hour away from official sunrise but there's a definite lightning lightening of the skies still there uh, been a lovely night, very warm across yeah, oh, the night. I can't been... imagine anybody went to the soft tyres overnight, if I'm honest. No, 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 it's been super humid as well, so for the drivers, they, it will have been pretty hard work in the uh, in the cockpit of some of these cars. Interestingly, the in LMP2, the 74 uh, Ranch Resort Riley car and the 52 Inter Europol car gone a couple of laps longer on the uh, on the stint, so could that be an advantage up their sleeve as we head into this final uh, portion of the race with just over seven hours to go but Connor Zilic has stayed on board the number 18 era car so once Dillman and Burden come into the pitch you'd suspect that uh, he'll cycle back through to the lead Johnny's corner at Johnny's corner who at the moment is leading the tweet of the weekend competition for the tow truck tweet from earlier on to at IMSA Radio has just said I was about to make a joke about Hindoff being at Blackpool Tower last month this will resonate with those of you in the UK um, but he says you can't deny it it's on fire this was a, a piece of orange netting that was blowing around at the top of Blackpool Tower and the west coast of the UK which uh, a number of people filmed and tweeted and the emergency services came out caused a bit of an internet stir I remember seeing that actually I think I saw it when it was finished rather than and the brilliant pan is mightier than the sword one of the Dorian pan accounts fan accounts said pity it would have been a good joke it would have been a good joke Gap. But, but we do have it gap at the front is down to it's, it was seven tenths of a second uh, coming over the line last time by it's just edged up back up to just over a second it's ebbing and flowing through traffic but it's Nick Tandy chasing down Pippo Durrani now Nick Tandy is going for a historic win here at the Rolex 24 he has won every major 24 hour endurance race overall except this one this is what he's gone he said it before the race he said this is what we're going to Daytona to go for uh, this would complete the set for Nick Tandy he's won Spa he's won Nürburgring overall he's won Le Mans overall and this is the last one on the list and, and actually only his second opportunity uh, to, to win it overall he's won it in the GT class before yeah. uh, but uh, but but not in uh, not overall and you could be sure that uh, he's got the bit between his teeth and he's closing in Durrani here well the thing is he can now see people with no cars between the number six Porsche with the white pinstripes and side flash and the wheel and engineering red, white and grey Cadillac ahead of him 
coming towards the ends of their stints, I would suggest. Let's uh, have a quick look. People uh, has done 27 laps, so yeah, coming towards the end. Well, our GTP telemetry will tell us. Oh, very good point. I'd forgotten. Have you got that one? I, on, d- I do, on yes. A tab? Uh, I do. Oh, so Nick Tandy has 5% left, and Pippo Durrani has 10%. In fact, make that both 5%, so they should both be in within the next lap or two. Yeah. Um, great stuff you can what you you can go on it it's, we're not special in the booth imza.com forward slash dtp dash telemetry um wonderful resource great work from uh, imza and, and it, to be honest it's a bit like cheating here in the box we know exactly what's going on sky beginning to get more orange let's have a quick vp racing in race update porsches are coming to the fore at the head of the GTP field with pit stops coming, here's how they stand the gap is down to just on a second from the wheel and engineering Cadillac to Nick Tandy's number 6 Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 the team car 12 and a half seconds further back Felipe Nasser in the 7 Proton competition with the third of the Porsches in line that's the number 5 Jimmy Bruni car the black and gold of Mustang sampling and the first car coming in from GTP is the car that comes in from fifth Phil Hansen we'll get to Nick in a moment LMP2 Connor Zilic still leads after a quick pit stop for the 0-4 Malthy Jackson oh no Malthy's just uh, yes the both had a pit stop excuse me Malthy Jackson uh, Jakobsen got in the car Tom Dillman still third for Inter Europol Paul Miller BMW by 10 seconds over the two Corvettes with a little worry. But a flame underneath the engine compartment of Antonio Corvette's number three car in third position. And both of those Corvettes are pitting now. So Nick's about to get very busy. And Phil Ellis is coming in from the lead of GTD. Uh, he was ahead of Robbie Forley and the Triassi competition Ferrari. That's your VP Racing update. Uh, Nick will pick off the GTPs at his end of the pit lane. Right, also just to my left uh, is the uh, Smokey Joe, the Antonio Garcia number three car. Uh, they are looking to fill up the fluids. There's no major panic on that. And now to my right, I have our, our erstwhile leader, Pipo Durrani. He's staying on board and he's getting uh, four new tyres. And then to my left, I have the... Uh, Porsche out has got Nick Tandy for the number six car. That's also getting four new tyres. He's second now, the 40 car is going to come to my feet. The first, the Mustang sampling, number five proton machine, trundles down the pit lane as well. Durrani now not being released yet. What you can't see, Nick, is the work going on at the back of the Corvette. They're trying to drag out what they can, but there's undoubtedly fluid coming out of the back of that car. And the Acura is at my feet, John, and that is uh, the, uh, the red one. That is, again, no driver change. That's the sound of the Cadillac pulling away. Oh. The, the uh, Antonio Garcia number three has gone as well. The six Porsche has gone. Uh, I think slightly longer in the pits than Durrani. Certainly isn't a second behind him when he's going down the pit lane. I'll uh, tell you what, Nick, that was interesting because Durrani went out on internal combustion engine, not doing... So he didn't stop the engine there. No. Okay, so is trouble. that a portent of an issue? Not sure, quite a long stop. Actually, not really. This is how long the fuel takes to go, isn't it? There's the uh, uh, Acura in front of me. They've done a complete uh, 
get tired and away they go. And that, as you say, goes away on our old favourite milk float power. It's not as good as the Toyota milk float power from Le Mans, but it still whistles away. The uh, recovering BMWs are both in now. And yeah, so whatever was ailing the number three car, they felt they could fix quite easily. Isn't it a kind of a, I'm looking now, it's kind of a post-mortem at, at the stuff they found. They don't seem, don't seem overly concerned. There was an awful lot of fluid on the rear, the top of the rear, uh, well, underneath the deck, on top, on top diffuser. I wonder if that's fluid that maybe had come out and it's it, and is now that leak is now fixed um, and it's uh, come and it's just sort of stained the rear of the car. Full service seven Yep, full service the seven. The exhaust are glowing red, which is absolutely fine on the Porsche. They're outside and not about to set fire to any tire detritus. Uh, full service driver change. Uh, they're putting on uh, a complete set of tyres and they have the big M on them. They're yellow M's. They're certainly running medium tyres at the moment. Cars drop down. Obviously, the last thing done is fuel. No faffing around on this car. So a lot less of the looking about, just cleaning it up. So uh, that one's obviously giving no cause concern on the, on the temperature. And that's a seven car. Uh, the six car had a little, more, a little bit more of looking around. But it's been driving a little bit more in traffic. And, of course, Durrani got away still in the lead. And Nick, one of the nice things this year is we've got three new compounds for GTP, soft, medium and hard. And as we've seen in the WEC and at Le Mans down through the years recently, they have different stickers on the side, different markings. It's uh, yellow for medium. Yellow is mellow. That's the medium. Uh, white is the soft from, and red for the soft from memory. As long as they haven't changed that around as well. Uh, generally speaking, this year we won't have to worry about the compounds in WeatherTech Sports Car Championship competition, but because of the unique nature of Daytona and particularly with the cold weather that we experienced a few years ago, there is a special regulation here that allows you to take the so soft from seven o'clock last night to eight o'clock this morning don't have to and i suspect many of them haven't uh, let's go down to bedfordshire's finest <laughs> uh, and that's nick tandy with our nick david well nick um the number six porsche in fact both, all four of the porsches are, are really taking this battle aren't they it, 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 we, we saw through practicing qualifying a little bit off the pace but once we've got racing the cars are going really well I mean, the conditions are a little bit different. This is the thing. The, the night is, um, yeah, the track cools down, and it, I mean, it looks like it suits our car. This is the thing. The start of the race, we sort of struggled a bit. But then you don't know what people are doing on tires. Obviously, you can see when people put four tires on. Um, I think us and the 31 ran, ran with four tires the last stint. And it was, you know, it's pretty close. So it's difficult to know what's going to happen when the sun comes up. This is the thing. But... Uh, yeah, so far so good, and like you say, with four Porsches up there, um, you know, I'd like to think we can kind of help each other, but uh, often we don't help each other, as I saw in the last thing. Um, so, I mean, obviously with these high temperatures, has that meant you've been on that medium tyre the entire time, or have you had to run some softs? Um, I couldn't possibly tell you, Nick. Right, OK, I understand that, so mostly medium then. Um, it's... it's uh, you know, it's it's probably still not the coolest part of the day. So, you know, until the sun comes up, there'll still be, t you know, ground temperature drops. So we have we have both compounds still available, yeah. 
When you were trailing uh, Pipo towards the end of the stint, did you, did you decide there's no point overtaking him? Might as well just sit in his toe and save some fuel, or could you not overtake him? I mean, it's very difficult to stay close and pass when you're running together in clean air. What, you know, it's, it's almost impossible, unless you've got a one-second advantage on the car in front. But, um, you know, when you're getting traffic, this is when you've got to try and make sure you're close enough to pick up on an opportunity. So, you know, whilst... If you can sit in the toe and save a bit of fuel, all well and good. But um, you, know, you still need to stay close enough to see if, if you can make something happen in traffic. But uh, it's still... I know it's a cliche, but it's still seven hours to go. That's the thing. <laughs> well, it's cliche, but it's true. So, you know, as I say, we are now you know, working. We're getting towards the end. Uh, we can back time from there. So are you going to take the car to the finish, or is one of your other fast friends? I have no idea. It depends how the yellows fall and how the driver's since work out. But... Uh, the good thing with the four of us, it doesn't matter who's in the car at the end. So, um, yeah, we'll wait and see. But I'll, I'll get ready just in case. Yeah, I would do. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, cheers. A pair of Nicks there. Damon and Tandy. A bit more light in the sky off towards Daytona Beach itself. As we look over Daytona Beach Airport and, of course, the Daytona International Speedway. People starting to return to the hospitality units below us for a bit of breakfast and motorsport. There have been some hardy fans in front of us pretty much all night tonight, uh, all night overnight, um, in T-shirts because that's all they've needed. Chetilar, number 47, into the pit lane, the Ferrari, the blue car. And fuel going in. Tyres offered... But I don't think they're going to use them, are they? Oh, yeah, they are. That was interesting. That seemed to be a rather late decision. Is that just rears? No, they put one on at the, the front right as well. Right, so it's just um, it's just it's just right hand sides then. Yeah, isn't it? we've seen a, a, some t- quite a few teams uh, doing that because there's a limited tire allocation. You can't just throw four new tires at it on it at every given opportunity. Chedlar team, unfortunately, they're running quite a few laps down there, eight laps off the uh, class leader in GTD, they're going to be here for the uh, the whole Michelin Endurance Cup season which uh, consists this year of an extra round, we have the usual suspects here at the Rolex 24 of Daytona the 12 hours of Sebring uh, the Watkins uh, 6 hours of the Glen uh, and Petit Le Mans but we're adding to that the long race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway so a five round Michelin Endurance Cup season here in 2024 which I'm sure all the teams are very excited about 71 degrees uh, on the in the air round about the same on track as well that's 21 22 degrees Celsius humidity going back up again and dropped to merely 66 percent overnight now well up over 80 percent as the Triazi 023 comes in i I really like the colour of that car, that darker, almost blood red that's, into the pit lane. That's a almost Scuderia Ferrari before they even built their own cars. Yeah, so correct. When they used to run Alphas before the war. Totally uh, agree. That sort of deep, yeah, almost red wine colour. Um, fantastic. That's from the lead of GTD for that Ferrari. Correct. On the pit stop cycle, in fairness, it should be the uh, in the B. Uh, it should be the um, Daniel Morad going back to the lead in fact when he comes across the line this time and he's just put his fastest lap in for that car of the race 
and when he comes by this time he will retake the lead. We've talked a lot about the serviceability of this new Ferrari 296 GT3 this Triarchy car uh, spun under the pace car, backed into the wall and had quite a bit of damage but the rear section of that Ferrari 296 GT3, you can pull off the whole rear section and just bolt a new one on and it saved them so much time in repair and as the unfortunately the Ford the new Ford Mustangs have found out to their cost uh, there with damage on the rear of their cars has cost them dearly this race in for the 120 Jan Halen and the right car this is the very attractive blue colour it's almost well, the, the darker blue is almost Porsche Nautilus blue, but there's a there's a hint of uh, that lighter colour that we used to see on Franz Conrad's cars. Do you remember that? Around the Celine S7R in those those colours. Uh, interesting race for the Fords and the 64. That's the Harry Tinkle, Mike uh, Rockenfeller, and Chris Meese car is in the pit lane. The engine cover is off at the front end of the car but underlying how much work has gone into these new GT3 cars I can't I can hardly see the front of the engine it's so low and so far back this effectively then a front mid-engined car there there's a there's three feet in front of where that front pulley is to the front of the car it's and I'm not exaggerating there at all do you expect anything less from Multimatic no. and Ford? You know, look at look at how they pushed the boundary uh, and really pushed the limit with the Ford GT uh, uh, to the to the regulations there. They've clearly done the same thing with this Ford Mustang GT3, and no wonder, uh, as they've reported, they've got such customer demand for the car. I think they're going to be building them as fast as they can and building spares as fast as they can, so they can roll those out. And it's very much a global program. It's all about global for that uh, team, even down to the drivers that they've they've yeah. got. They've got drivers from all over, uh, all over the world, and several have made switches from other manufacturers to come and join this uh, this Ford program. Aston Martin is very similar, actually. All the front engine cars are. You look at the level of technology and design. GT3, not so very long ago, was not a million miles away from taking a shell off the line, putting in a cage and the requisite other safety equipment, taking everything else out, and basically... That's what GT4 is now, really. But even GT... Yeah, yeah. GT4 is, in, is getting incredibly sophisticated. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's what GT4 used to be. I saw the first ever GT3 race, and they did look like uh, street cars with some performance additions, like an accoutrement on the car, few wings, etc. Now that is, they are fully designed race cars. GT4s since 2017, 2018 have started to do times that GT3s were doing only a couple of years uh, before that we've got another car gone behind the wall Peter and it's not good news for the number 17 uh, Corvette the AWA Corvette they've already lost the sister car Excuse which had me, an yeah. issue on the opening uh, well actually pulling off 
from the uh, the grid uh, had an issue um, that eventually took them out of the race. So the cast number 17 for AWA Corvette. It's been a, a certainly a learning uh, a learning experience for that team with their two. Uh, Chevy Corvettes, but make no mistake, that car and that team, they, they'll get it right. Uh, it's clearly golden hour. It's golden hour in terms oh. of the, the light coming up, but it is also for your leader in GTD as well. Daniel Mora has just set the best, his lap, best lap of the race for that car, 146.699. And the chase for the lead continues. People Durrani stayed in the number 31 Whelan Cadillac. It was Mathieu Jaminet who was plugged into the number 6 Porsche Penske Motorsport uh, 963 and my goodness these two are setting the pace a little bit of bouncing around on the back straight bit of oscillation for the Chamonix Porsche he was right up against the wall going into the Le Mans chicane don't know if it's slightly bumpier there but all of a sudden 15 seconds between these leading pair and the Matt Campbell and Jimmy Bruni cars are also split apart. They were running, if not line astern, I think we said they were about four and a half, five seconds. There's now 13 seconds between Campbell and Bruni and 10 seconds between Jimmy and Phil Hansen, who's in the bright yellow number 85, as the battle for the lead begins to heat up a minute before seven in the morning. Live from Daytona International Speedway. This is IMSA Radio and IMSA TV together around the world on Sirius XM 207 here in North America and 107.9 FM WDIS at Daytona International. Great to have your company. Six tenths of a second, Jaminet pulled out of your race leader, Pippo Durrani, on the last lap, and now he's got him in his uh, in his gun sight. He's chasing him down, and of course now he's close enough. Matteo Jaminet in second place in that number six Porsche that he can try and get a little bit of a draft on the uh, on the straightaway. So Durrani getting the hurry up here from Jaminet. Half a second now, but again that Porsche bouncing rather worryingly close to the wall out of the Le Mans chicane that's a brilliant exit from Jaminet, the car just seemed to pick up and fire out of that chicane and it's target acquired the Porsche sparking as it moves up and down the banking at turns 3 and 4 on the speedway as it was going through traffic, now that car and again sparking heavy fuel load of course on that car the 963 seems to work best, Peter, when it is low to the ground. Very, very pitch sensitive, this car. There was a lot of work done after Le Mans last year by the team when they went back to basics along with a couple of their customer teams at Barcelona, I think. Apologise if I've got the circuit wrong. And they, they literally went back to basics to try and find the balance in the car. And in fairness, the pace of the car in the second half of the season, both in the World Endurance Championship and indeed here in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, certainly was more competitive. Lost a win at the sale in six hours of the Glen because of excessive plant wear. When I say excessive, they were one mil, one millimetre at one part of the plank. 
was out of specification. That was a really poor luck for them. Well, uh, and they know uh, what happened there. Yeah, that yeah. was that was a piece oh. of tyre debris that punctured the floor and set up an aerodynamic vibration that kept bouncing the floor on the ground. Here we go. Don't have to have the stopwatch out now through turns three and four of the speedway. As Mathieu Jaminet is in the draft of the Cadillac. Underneath us now, Peter snaps his head to his right as if he's watching a tennis match as they go down towards turn one. There was no return from the hats as it went That was down. an ace from Mathieu Jaminet. It was indeed. <laughs> he's right there. Three tenths of a second quicker on the last lap. Now remember what Tandy said. He said, we've got to make the chances count when there's traffic. And traffic is about to play a part ahead of them. Uh, they've got a couple of different cars. It's the uh, the 120 Porsche is there. They've got a LMP2 car right in front of them at the moment, which is the Tower number 8 car. And this, this oh, is, and he oh. swipes the nose of Durrani's Cadillac there Durrani. in the turn six. Durrani had to get out the power. Here's the chance for the Porsche. That's not typical Pippo Durrani. He would have gone for that. Yeah. Uh, he's he's being safe here. Pippo Durrani is renowned as being as one of the most aggressive drivers in traffic. Um, and normally he would have gone straight for that. But I think he knows how fast a race car they've got. Doesn't want to risk with six and a half hours to go. Michael Dynan it was who caused the slight incident. Can't really blame Michael. No. You're told in the driver's briefing. And this was the exact words yesterday from Bob Barfield, our race director. Stay on your line. The faster car's got to find a safe and clean way by. There was just a little bit of indecision, though, there from people that Peter picked up on across the line again. And there'll be more traffic in front of them. This time it's the number 80 AMG Mercedes itself having a wee battle at the moment sitting in fourth for Scott Andrews in the Lone Star car that's dispatched by the leader and this time it's the Frenchman Jaminet who doesn't get the cleaner exit out of the international horseshoe at the eastern end of the infield but it's going to be traffic for the next couple of laps here Peter and the leader's offline here, and that's cost time. Here comes Chaminet. He's going to get the Amex. He'll go to the inside. There's almost contact as Durrani pushes back. It looked like Chaminet thought about going down the inside of the Inception McLaren into turn number six, which takes them back onto the banking. Thought better of that. 200 miles an hour on the banking for the GTP cars. And these excellent drivers are dicing with the other Clatterby cars as if they were parking in the multi-storey. Just street fighting all the way through traffic. Fantastic. And that was a little bit awkward there, getting past the Inception McLaren. And spare a thought for the driver of that number 70 Inception McLaren, Frederick Schandorf, oh. with uh, two prototype GTPs going either either side. But uh, tell you who is on the move. It's it's third place, another one of the Porsches. Car number seven for Porsche Penske Motorsport, Matt Campbell, has trimmed the gap down. It's now down yeah. to just 11 seconds. He set that car's uh, best lap of the race about four or five laps ago 36.1 so Matt Campbell is on the move
Triazi Competizione, Alessio Rivera, third place in GTD, fastest GTD lap of the race, 46-2. We are in happy hour. The sun uh, is not officially up yet, but we've got colour in the sky, more of it. Just a quick update, by the way, on Sean Creech Motorsport, the Stars and Stripes Ligier, the only Ligier in the race. They had their issues earlier on, but Joao Barbosa is behind the wheel now. And he's just uh, turned a lap last time around that is just on a second away from that car's fastest lap of the race. So despite all the problems, the never-say-die attitude of Sean Creech, as we would expect from that team, they're down in 30, 44th position. That's another double number car as well, of course. So that's three double number cars we've still got in the race. Ninth in LMP2, but pushing on. And it's a, a brave thing from that operation to go, go up against the might of Orica, who have been the benchmark in the LMP2 class for so many years now. So to run another chassis, uh, they've run the Ligier, uh, that's brave. Talk to... Lance will see about that at the back end of last year on Midweek Motorsport. And he said, look, we know what we can do. We know the resources we have. And do we want to be the 10th Origa team or do we want to do something a little bit different? There will be a time when this is going to work for us and we've got to maximise that and take the opportunity. It's not been their day today, but who knows through the rest of the season Peter they can wring some performance out of that Ligier it's inherently remember all of those cars were performance balanced when they first came out big block there unintentional and I'm sure from the faff at McLaren just to find the trouble to say Faf McLaren yeah, Alexander Rossi in that car Alexander just doing exactly what you should do just hold, hold the line and Durani got by and Chamonix did not so that opens up the gap a touch um, to maybe about half a second or so as we see but there's a big chunk of traffic coming up John yeah there is uh, including some LMP2 traffic the Ranch 74 Resorts car the Triazi car which Rivera is pushing very very well the BMW number 96 is in that little line and I think it's the Conquest Racing Ferrari with Cedric Spirazzoli, the number 34 that is about to go down, also the 64 Ford Mustang there's a Spirazzoli car and the Triazi car my goodness 200 miles an hour around the banking and that well the, the difference there the contrast there Peter of how solid and how stable a platform the 31 Cadillac is to people Durrani looks like he literally is nipping to the shops on a Sunday morning to go and get the papers and a cart of the milk. Whereas when we see the onboards from the Porsche and Mattia Jaminer behind that looks like he's doing 300 miles an hour. Yeah, and it, it, and even in their, the language and the way that they, 
you look at them through the corners, the way they get out the corner, it does look really quite raw and edgy, the, the 963, whereas the, the Cadillac, and I think also the way it delivers its power, the Cadillac is a naturally aspirated engine. Yes, it has the hybrid, they all have the same hybrid system, but the Cadillac has got this, bit, you can just hear it, the way it revs, this beautiful linear power delivery. And whereas, it hits you in the sternum, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, but, and then the Porsche, of course, a 4.6 V8 with twin turbos, is maybe a little bit more aggressive on the power delivery, but I mean, it's still <laughs> clearly a fast car and a, and a reliable car too. Four of them in the top five. Let's see. This time, Mathieu Jaminé off turn two and immediately into that oscillation before the braking area into the Le Mans chicane. It's, it's been noticeable. Oh, took a lot of curb on the exit there. A lot of curb. That was touring car about the curb. Goes past the Triazi <laughs> machine. A lot of the Porsche factory drivers, they, uh, they they come up through the ranks through Carrera Cup, whether that be their <laughs> regional championship and then up to the Super Cup if you're going through that programme. And you, you certainly use a lot of curb striking in, the, in that uh, in that category. Durani just getting through the traffic that little bit quicker, uh, whether that be a matter of fortune or skill, it's, it's difficult, to, difficult to say, but brilliant stuff. And... It's not the only close battle. No. LMP2 is just a second and a half between Connor Zilic, who's been really motoring away in that era motorsport car, but he's been chased all the way by Malta Jakobsen in the CrowdStrike uh, 04 car. Malta has been doing a huge amount of heavy lifting through the test and through the practice, where he's been one of the quickest drivers in the car throughout the whole time. So, leader is P. Portorani by just on 1.4 seconds. It's the top left if you're watching the screen. Top right is Connor Zilic, MX5 and Trans Am driver last year. He's leading in LMP2 by 1.4 seconds. Racing in Xfinity this season for Connor Zilic. So he'll be getting plenty more oval experience. GTD Pro, probably the biggest gap actually. 19 and a half seconds, Neil Verhagen over Nicky Katzberg, BMW, ahead of actually both the Corvettes, four from three. No reoccurrence of that uh, flame-out on the back of that Corvette, not that we've seen, at least, on Garcia's Corvette. And finally, Daniel Morat leads Robbie Foley in the 96 BMW and Alicio Rivera, ten seconds, and then another second, with Scott Andrews in the Lone Star AMG, uh, back another 30 seconds or thereabouts. I'm being fairly rounding up and rounding down here, so I hope you don't mind. We've got about a minute before official sunrise. Looks like it's going to be another corking day. A little bit of overhead clouds and out towards the ocean. There is an ocean layer out there. I think we're going to be okay, Peter, with the 140 checkered flag. Let's hope so. Let's hope it's a nice clean run to the flag and a, a straight fight because we've got so many close fights right through the classes. That let's see uh, who's going to come out on top here. Don't, don't you love this though for endurance racing, where we can see the relative strengths and weaknesses within the better part of an hour's worth of racing between the fuel stops? And I think you made a very important point actually, an observation. At the start of this stint at the front of the field, it was the first time that we really saw the Cadillac disappear right from the restart or from the pit stop. And 
that is something we've not seen. The Akaras were doing it earlier on and then their pace seemed to ease through the stint. The Cadillacs have been monstrously reliable in terms of their performance potential right the way through the stint. It wouldn't be a big climb and a drop-off if you looked at the performance curve. It would be much gentler to the middle of the stint and then a gentle curve back down again. But they, I mean, Durrani took off like a... Well, like you've been shot out of a steam catapult, actually. It looked like a scene from the next Maverick. And you wonder, have they had that attribute in their pocket all the all time? All the time. Yeah, and because the, what is now, I think, typical of the Rolex 24 in this modern era is that, they, you know, it's, it's, it's very typical to have uh, a late full-course caution or several late full-course cautions when everyone's getting to the end of the race and the intensity ratchets up. You are going to get more incidents. Therefore... There's always that shootout for the win. And so you need that quick sprint pace. That's what both Acuras showed last year. So you need to really go for it straight off the uh, straight off the full course caution. And so I'm not surprised to see that Cadillac have got that in their pocket, but it's the first time they've shown it. Move for the lead in LMP2. Round the outside for Martha Jacobson. That gap has come down and down side by side through the tri-oval, the red and black crowd strike. Algar Pro Racing, six and a half hours to go, and the elbows are out from Connor Zilic. Maybe he's practicing for his Xfinity drives here, but he's not giving this one up. Down to the infield hairpin, the first of the two horseshoes. Crowdstrike car looks like it maybe has a little more grip underneath Maltha Jacobson. Tom Dillman's another 12 seconds further back. In fact, actually has. Dillman just pitted because there's a big change now. No, Josh Bird, it's all right, timing just catching up with itself side by side again, coming out of the infield, and still that mainly blue era car drifts a little wide. Oh, that's a super move from Matthew Jacobson They're over and under, but he's got the Iron Dames Lamborghini oh, ahead. It's no. a pick, they're rubbing, they're touching, they're touching again, and well. How do you call that one? I think that's heads-up racing from Connor Zilic. He did not give one inch and used the Iron Dames Lamborghini as a pick, as a screen. Wow. He totally learned that in the Wheeland Mazda MX-5 Cup. <laughs> or watching the NBA. That was a basketball screen, as you oh, said. It was. Uh, it was a pick. John, uh, fantastic stuff. Malta Jakobsen, uh, uh, a Peugeot Hypercar Junior driver, well... I'm sure the Peugeot management are watching this closely, thinking, do we move him up to full uh, to the full squad? Why not? He's driving so well. Here he comes Whoa. again and again. It's a Lamborghini that thwarts his move to the outside this time. Inside on turns one and two. Tried the outside move going into the first corner on the infield. This is getting spicy. Six and a half hours to go. How would you like your breakfast? Hot. Thanks very much. Extra chilies. Chili flakes all so, over it. Coming out of the final infield corner, Jakobsen went wide and then cut back underneath. Brilliant move. The side by side, there's a bit of side drafting. He tried to move up, but Connor Zilic says, uh, Excuse me, I'm already here, if you don't mind. Or words to that effect. Brilliant stuff from Jakobsen. Brilliant look. Absolutely brilliant from Jakobsen. And, and indeed, 
also from Conor Zilic. Just enough respect, I think, there. And uh, spare a little thought for the... Uh for the 83 Iron Dames Lamborghini Michelle Gatti well actually you'll, you'll, not, you'll never scare Michelle that's for sure uh, she's looking in her mirror going oh you pair of pull out pull out pair pull of out. Idiots. have you seen me hello <laughs> have you oh they have seen me that's fine uh, Shea Adam is into our crowd strike pit report rotor for the early morning as the sun now makes its first appearance over the horizon right in front of the global broadcast centre good morning Shea hello hello had to do it. Uh, yeah. I hate to be the bearer of bad news coming into the pit lane, but this beautiful battle that we're watching out on track is about to be broken up because Era has scrambled into life, and indeed the pit board is now waving, and Connor Zillich is going to be getting out of the Era Motorsports number 18 machine, handing over to Ryan Dial as there's a bit of drama for Turner Motorsport, actually. The car coming to a stop in the transition lane. It has missed its pit box. This is the first place in GTD into third place, excuse me. Uh, the CrowdStrike car is also in. It looks like they are doing perhaps a drinks bottle change, but Malta staying aboard. Connor Zilich, though, for sure getting out. I'm definitely stalking the right place because we need to chat with him. After that debut in the Rolex so far, his job is not yet done, but it is four new tires for Ryan Dial and waiting on the fuel as Turner is now being pushed into their box. I'll keep an eye on that as well, and I'll run down and check after we've heard from Connor. It's going behind the wall. Turner is going behind the wall. Robbie Foley brought the car in. Patrick Gallagher was sitting helmeted on the box, waiting to take over. So I will head down there, but uh, we definitely need to hear from Connor after that stint. Waiting on fuel for ERA. That's the CrowdStrike car is moving. Now are they going to leave them out? Yes, CrowdStrike is clear of ERA because ERA will make it out to the transition lane, but the overlap dictates that the 0-4 will lead them on the racetrack. A change in the pit lane described by Shea Adam. As much as that battle was enthralling out on the high banks, proof once again that this is a team sport. I don't mean just the three drivers. The pit crew have done their job there. And that's a change of leader as Malthus Jakobsen goes into the effective lead. Tom Dillman scored as the leader in the number 52 car at the moment for the... No, it's a, a driver change for ERA. It's uh, Ryan DL who's got on board. Oh, oh right, that's just changed. Yeah, because yeah, Zilic had done a double stint. Um, so that Jakobsen now on to his next stint. So Ryan DL one of the most experienced drivers in the field trying to go for a third Rolex watch and remember Tom Dillman in the, in the Europol 52 has to make the same stop that those two cars already have done well that was entertaining Shea Adam will you pass on our best to Connor Zilic oh I will and honestly I don't even have to because Connor you get out of the car you look exhausted you've just driven your heart out but the crew guys are treating you like a hero they're practically putting you on your shoulders does that make everything you've just done for the last two hours feel worth it yeah, I'm worn out. It was a, a long double stint, and, you know, it was my third stint of the race. So I'm still learning, and, um, you know, I'm just glad I was able to keep the, the 04 behind us there and, you know, give us a better shot when we get the tires for the next next driver, Ryan. He's in the car now. So hopefully he can, uh, you know, get back by them and, you know, get us a little lead heading into the heading into the daytime. But uh, super proud of the Air Motorsports team. They've worked so hard today, and, um, you know, I just hope we can, you know, finish these last six hours hours off strong. You were doing a little bit of hip checking there with Malta Jakobsen up on the banking. Uh, clearly moves you learned from Mazda, right? Yeah, that's MX-5 Cup <laughs> racing. Thanks, Connor. Good luck, and uh, good luck recovering. What entertainment at <laughs> breakfast time. That's 
That's a bit of spicy sausage for you. How well, do you like his frittata? Hot, spicy, fluffy, and hot spicy. And spicy. Yeah. Well, one of our Porsche keys to race was get to breakfast. Well, that applies to the competitors as well as fans, because well, fans, you don't want to be sleeping through breakfast because you're missing this action. No, absolutely right, wherever you are in the world. Thanks for joining us here. Live from Trackside, the opener of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship for 2024, the 62nd running of the Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona. Right, now, we've had our action in LMP2. Neil Verhagen has established a 23.5 second lead in GTD Pro. Daniel Morad has pulled out 11.5 seconds on Alessio Rivera in the Triazi. Uh, uh, the Chiazzi Ferrari he's been going very quickly indeed in setting that car's fastest lap of the race a few minutes ago so let's go back to the front of the field perfect because there's always something happening Pipo Durrani still leads well nothing's happened except Mattia Jaminet is now just half a second behind again in the number 6 car and there's a really interesting thing again involving uh, Michelle Gatting in the number 83 Iron Dames uh, Lamborghini GTD she got just she was just coming into the braking zone there into turn one where the GTPs are braking from 200 miles an hour Durrani got past and then it was sort of 50-50 whether Mathieu Jamini would go and Michelle Gatting moved to the inside basically saying do not <laughs> you do not come through try and wait till the next corner so uh, interesting stuff through traffic Jamini waited and back on again Tom Dillman has come into the pit lane. He was third behind that uh, fantastic battle that we were watching between... Then it was uh, uh, Jakobsen and Conor Zilic. Ryan Diel's taken over the 18. Well, Tom's brought the, in the Europol car into the pit lane, so he will drop back in the third. He inherited the lead there. Meantime, the 96 Turner BMW was pushed just through the Rolex arch and they've not even gone back to their paddock area the hood is off that car and they're working on that car share Adam uh, in the return lane between the two sets of garages behind the pits yeah that's what they know very well having campaigned two GS cars here just a couple of days ago now as it is they're in the intake area they did have a new fan uh, excuse me a, a new filter ready for the front of the car uh, to do on the pit stop but that's not what they're changing they do have one of the best from BMW here though Mark Murray is assessing the car trying to figure out what the problem is they are putting the hood on the golf cart looks like they're going to flat tow Robbie back to their actual garage this is more intensive work they're disappearing right now John that's the drag that car just as she got to the car it's getting dragged further away uh, from her more smoke from the right rear of the number three Tonio Garcia car that's dropped down to fourth position now as Davide Regon in the Ricci Competizione Ferrari has gone through and pulled out a second and a half or thereabouts she's getting on for two seconds now I am now officially worried I was concerned before, um, always when you see a flash of flame on a race car, uh, it's happened to me once only, and trust me, it, Not it catches your no. attention. I, I, for now, for that number three crew, it's just get the car to the end of the race, if they can, under, they can. under any circumstances, just over six hours to go, that's got to be their sole objective now, because remember, they're, they're going for a full season championship, they, it, it, they, you know, the season is longer than that one race. Um, 
so they've got to just make sure they get there. LMP2 battle still raging on. It's like we've got two parallel universes here, and both are prototypes battling wheel to wheel. And Jakobsen has just pulled up a little bit of an advantage of 1.2 seconds from Ryan Dale. Remember, yeah. Malta Jakobsen is 20 years old. <laughs> Ryan Dale is. This a, is well, I'm not going to say. Is, this is his 19th Rolex 24 hour. Right, He's won okay. it twice. So, Malta Jakobsen is about to be put to the ultimate test. He's had to deal with the young buck in Connor Zilic and now the experienced hand of Ryan Dale. Remember as well that Ryan Dale has just got into that car. Jakobsen has been in it for a, a couple of stints. Yeah. So, Jakobsen right in the groove. Ryan DL, an absolute pro. It will take him no time at all to get up the pace. But he doesn't have the knowledge of the evolution of the track right now yeah. that Jakobsen does. I'd say a fair play to Ryan because yeah. he's only dropped 1.2 seconds. Sometimes Great. in warming up the tyres and getting out there, you can double or triple that. Uh, I agree. Coming out of the pits. Shall we go back and revisit the lead? Well, go on then. Uh, they come through the Le Mans chicane. Let's have a look. Matt wow. Campbell, where's, we knew he was on the move, but he's the, they're now, we've got top three battle within two seconds. Yeah, So Matt Campbell's Campbell. just been charging. Let's go down to Share while that's developing as we have a Turner BMW update. The number 96 car behind the wall and not under BMW M power, Shay. No, under uh, Taylor Dunn power, actually. Um, the reason that they've gone back to the garage is because they don't fully understand what happened with the car, but they fully lost oil pressure. Ugh. That's never a good thing. Yeah, that is not a good thing. So they've saved the motor for now. Let's see how that's going to work. So Matt Campbell has charged up to the back of the leaders and the top three with uh, 18 hours completed or thereabouts are within 1.2 seconds. Stint of the race so far, I think, for me, from, uh, from Matt from, Campbell. From Campbell, Because yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not that, like, Durrani and Jaminé have been, you know, duffing each other up and, you know, costing each other time. They've been absolutely on it the whole way, but Campbell's just caught them on pure pace. So... Where is this now a point where uh, well there's two two scenarios here has you, Campbell used up the majority of the tyre to be able to put that pace in or has he still got pace left and you might get Porsche Penske Motorsport on the radio saying let let Matt through let him have a go well, uh, because this is maybe going to have to it seems that the number 31 the pole sitting car Whelan Engineering Cadillac has maybe got a slight edge on pace but if with a two pronged attack from Porsche Penske Motorsport they can double the pressure 577 laps completed. The top three cars have 15% of their stint energy still to use. We'll make that 10% now for Durrani and for Jaminé as the app updates in real time. IMSA.com forward slash GTP dash telemetry if you want to follow along. It's fascinating to see where they are harvesting power as well. We'll watch this for a couple of minutes before the VP racing in-race update. But for the moment, loath to take my eyes off this. With, uh, just coming up to 6, uh, check that, 7.30 in the morning. Oh, the Tecumet GTD leader, GTD leader just getting passed by, first of all, people Durrani and now the two Porsches so they go out of the western horseshoe no team orders here from 
the Penske team. They're running in six and seven order for Porsche Penske Motorsport. Roger Penske likes to let his drivers race, but there is, I don't even think, I was about to say it, there'll be an unwritten rule. I don't even think it needs to be said when you're racing for Roger Penske. It's just assumed that you never run into well, your teammates. You've got to remember is that there's a Porsche rule not to do that. That's, uh, a, yeah, that's which, a very uh, good point. Alvin Springer, who was head of Porsche Motorsport uh, for many, many years, he, he hasn't been in that title officially uh, since, I think, 2003, 2004. But he's still there, and all his Porsche, personality all looms Porsche, large. He's scary, and all Porsche factory drivers. Are t- I mean, I've, I've spoken to many of them over the last couple of years, and you speak to guys like Lucas Luer, um, Timo Bernard, etc. But particularly, Lucas said to me, he said Alvin Springer made it very clear to me. He says, "You race hard, but if you touch another Porsche, here's an airline ticket. Go back home to Germany. Don't even come back to the truck. Just go to the airport. I have an uh, open it was ticket made, for you. Yeah, here. it was made incredibly clear. Race hard, but do not hit another Porsche. So it's, I think so we're getting t- it from both angles there. The top four cars now, three Porsches and the leading Cadillac, all down to the last energies. Piper Durrani, 10%. 5% for Jaminet. 10% for Campbell. 5% for Jimmy Bruni, who's 25 seconds off this lead Shea Adam they'll be getting ready down in the pit lane for the next set of GTP stops well you think but <laughs> no uh, the, the Penske guys are quite literally uh, sitting relaxing on the pit wall now there's some movement as Balaclavas are being put on uh, the 85 JDC Miller Motorsport Porsche has just come in that is fuel and tires no driver change uh, oh no wait there is a driver change I see a seat insert being held proudly into the air but I can't see what color helmet it is. Oh, it's Westy. Definitely got to be Westy. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, the six Porsche Penske crew has sprung into life. I see movement down for Pippo Durrani, although Pippo has made a habit of just kind of cruising into the pit lane under no power on 0% energy remaining. Uh, and we have medium tires again for most of these cars, definitely for the 85 and definitely for the six. I'm not close enough to the 31 uh, for Whalen Engineering to be able to tell you what they're doing. But for Porsche, it's medium tires. Shea Adam with the CrowdStrike pit report. Joe Bradley, Shea Adam and Nick Damon doing yeoman's work through the overnight hours. Some great interviews as well, bringing real context to what goes on. We talk so much, Peter, about the technology, about sustainability, about performance of the machinery. I always find the human stories uh, are what I want to hear. I I love when we hear Nick Tandy so calm and collected. He was a little bit, he was a little bit knocked by uh, Philippe Nasser not helping him out early in that stint, wasn't he? Uh, Just made it comment on that. You've got to listen carefully to what's being said and how it's being said when our CrowdStrike pit reporters get the microphone under the nose of the drivers as they get out of the car. But if there's any driver who's got a very thick skin, it's Nick Tandy. Oh. Grew up on short ovals. If, if he if he says, "Oh, is it like that?" Is it okay then? Okay, <laughs> logged. Understood. Yeah, I'll remember that. That's that's, that's <laughs> yeah. going on the spreadsheet for another time. Yep. Uh, let's take a quick look. We're about to go into a pit stop cycle. So here's a VP Racing update. The top three within a second. Whalen Engineering Cadillac number 31 for Porsche Penske Motorsport number sixes and seven. 
Then another 25 seconds further back is Jimmy Broody. Jordan Taylor for a moment is up into fifth position as Richard Westbrook and the JDC Miller Motorsport car is leaving after their pit stop. Leader into the pit lane, we'll go to that in a moment. It's Malthy Jakobsen and Ryan DL. Three and a half seconds between those two, battling in the 04 and the 18 at the head of LMP2. Neil Verhagen has 23 seconds for Paul Miller racing over the Corvette of Nicky Katzberg with Davide Rigo on the mover there in third place for Risi Competizioni in the 62 Ferrari. And Daniel Morad by 13 seconds leads GTD for Winwood over Elisio Rivera who's pulled his way through to second uh, and he's got the better part of 30 seconds over Scott Andrews for Lone Star Racing. Leading Porsches into the pit lane, Shay Adam. Four tyres and a data stick exchange for this Porsche number six from Penske and oh a very near collision leaving for the Whalen Engineering Cadillac that delays them a brief moment meaning that the Porsche is able to get out ahead because the Cadillac had to check up the Acura of Wayne Taylor Racing Andretti was the one coming in and had the right of way to get into its box that was Jordan Taylor handing over to Louis Delatras this is the lone Acura that is still in this fight that was a change for the lead though on the pit stops when they cycle back through when everybody else comes into pit that means that the six now has the advantage now the question for me is as they were all so close matt campbell's had a pretty clear lap has he been able to make use of that and will porsche penske motorsport potentially get that car out for track position well, he's coming no. off turn four now here he comes into the pit lane this came, comes back to the last stop where the number seven car Matt Campbell went a lap longer so this is yeah. sort of on they've had the same length as stint but they're, they're just a lap apart that's yeah. ideal but, clear but run my, my the point pit lane. is he had a clear, a clear yeah. lap while these guys are warming up their tyres Shea Adam is watching Matt Campbell what a brilliant stint this has been and for the young Antipodean it's not over yet, John. Matty's staying aboard. So once again, Matt Campbell getting new tires. He's going to think it's Christmas and that everybody loves him, which, well, they do. These ones are also medium. So Matt Campbell no longer a full-season driver in this car. This year it will belong to his last year teammate Felipe Nasser and Dane Cameron, three times in the champion, is Dane Cameron. This is so impressive, the work that they are able to do, because not only did they get the tire change done, lickety-split, they now have the opportunity to clean off the windshield, not giving him a tear-off, so clearly they don't like him that much, but they were able to check the brakes as well to make sure that everything was good. And now, let's see where he cycles back out. He's stuck at the pit lane speed limiter. The leader is on the track at full speed. It's going to be tight. I'm not sure. I, I, I think... I think this is going to be a, another Porsche perfect pit stop for Porsche Penske Motorsport because the lead is only just coming off NASCAR turn four now, Peter. Now, I accept that there's a bit of tyre warming to be done, but the it's going Matt to be Campbell tight. car is out. He comes to the pit lane speed limiter... Let me see him behind that wall. I can see the headlights shining on the wall. Here he comes, gets his foot down, and he's out. He's out. And they've both Porsches have jumped. Uh. They, they came in 31, 6, 7, and they at the moment are 7, 6, 31. But here comes Jamini in the number six car. He's got his tyres up to heat, and I think he's going to be on the back of his teammate, Matt Campbell, in number seven. In, by the end of this lap, we're going to have a three-way. Basically, we're going to have a three-car wow. fight for the lead here look in how, GTP. Look how slow it is for Campbell. Hugely. He's just being Oh, passed. big lock-up for Durrani. Aitken, sorry, Jack Aitken. 
He's just taken been over. passed by the CrowdStrike car, and there was contact between the two Porsche Porsche teammates coming out of turn five. What have we just been saying? Was that? Yeah, coming okay. out of turn five. Oh dear. Our our replay crew will be looking back at that. I'm pretty certain that we had contact front to rear between the two Porsches coming out of turn number five, heading down the short chute to the end of the infield section. That's interesting. So the number seven of Matt Campbell came out of the pits well ahead and is now back to third. It's just purely out of the tyre warm-up cycle, but... Uh, Oh, it's car six getting a penalty. This is at least the third time this has happened. Failure to adhere to the control powertrain parameters. So all of that hard work by Nick Tandy and subsequently by Mathieu Jaminet, they'll come in straight away. They've overused their energy, their energy requirement between pit stops. That is a massive penalty. That's at least three times now. There was a drive-through, two stops. In fact, that might be, that's four times, actually. Yeah, and the number five uh, Proton competition car has had a penalty for the, exactly the same thing. It's same only been Porsches, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's, how do, what, what can, well, Porsche Penske Motorsport will be doing everything they can to try and mitigate that and now it switches across the attention to the number 7 of Matt Campbell trying to chase Jack Aitken who's fresh into the car uh, Matt Campbell onto his second stint in that machine and the gap well, the last time they went over the line about 1.8 seconds uh, between them and Aitken pulled out 4 tenths of a second in sector 1 so Aitken on the charge now at the front a mechanical black flag as well, I'm hearing this is the it's often called the meatball flag, the black flag with the orange dot in the middle. And that's Dirk Muller for Ford Multimatic. Uh, immediately has to come into the pit lane. They've breached the tyre regulations. Now, have they put a wrong set of tyres on that car? Shit, Adam might find that out. They are in the pits now. And there's a new set of Michelins there, but they were told they had to pit immediately. So that's either a wrong set of tyres or wrong pressures in the tyres. Let me check and tell you how long ago they were in the pits. That might give us a little clue on that uh, 65 Ford Mustang. And that's the better place to the it, two. It is, yeah. Um, Sixth and GTD Pro. Sorry, my reset. Whoops. So, so your race leader. No, Dirk Muller's been out there 20, 22 laps. So, what have they done on that car? That and that was immediately stop and repair tyre operational requirements. Wow. Well, race leader number six, Mathieu Jaminet, won't be the race leader for much longer. It's got to come into the pit lane, go down to the penalty box, and stop there for ten seconds. Uh, Jaminet will stay out for another lap, possibly another two laps. He's allowed to do that. The reason I say that is, look at the time, six hours and one minute to go. They'll stay out for Michelin Endurance Cup uh, good points. Good point, yeah, good point. So not only do they get the five points, but they stop the 31 of 
Jack Aiken and the rest of the Cadillac team getting the five points. Who have, who have scored well in the Michelin Endurance Cup points so far throughout this race. Absolutely flat out through the tri-oval. Sun climbing steadily off towards the coast. It's not going to be... Oh, no, is it going to be? It will be the end of this lap. It's the end of the lap. It is interesting that it seems to be the six car rather than the seven, the two yeah. Porsche Penske machines, that it's the six that keeps getting this problem. Shea Adam with her first chance to have a look at the smoky Corvette of Antonio Garcia that's been worrying us through the night. There was fire in the back of that car earlier, Shea. I've got to think there's some kind of fluid leakage. It smells awful. I mean, it smells like when I tried to make a fork tenderloin last week and that didn't really work out very well, or two weeks ago now, I suppose. Um, but there is still issue with the car. There is fluid dripping, dripping out of the bottom. IMSA officials want uh, the Corvette mechanics to take a closer look and they're not coming over. They're not going to look at it. The IMSA tech officials are saying there is fluid coming out of this car. You the should be concerned, but the car is no longer actively on fire. It's just pouring out white smoke uh, and there are traces of what was quite a big conflagration. Um, looks like they're changing a data stick while they've got well, the opportunity as well. What the two is they have got two full pressurized bottles of one fluid and a larger one of another into the side of the car. There's This new GT3 is brilliant because you open the passenger side door and the fillers for the various fluids are there. You put them in under pressure, and that's what they were doing. But the back of the car was absolutely running with oil, and not just the rear end where the rear light should have been, but also down under the diffuser underneath. Extraordinary. Here comes Jaminet for his drive-through. Tell it's the number six, even if you don't know the colours, because it's got purple. On the front, he will stop for 10 seconds, and those 10 seconds start now. The official at the end of the pit lane clicks the stopwatch. Trust Five, the stopwatch. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And off he goes. Oh, that's going to hurt. That stinks. That is going to hurt. So now... They'll be praying for a, a safety car now. Yeah. They will be absolutely praying for it. Well, they will stay I mean, on the lead lap. They will stay, stay on, on the lead, lead lap. lap. And it's a quick car. But, we know that's a quick car. But if, they, if there's a very long period of green flag running here, then it's a long uphill battle. They, they, they need a, a full course yellow sooner rather than later. Shea Adam is looking at the fluid replenishment bottles. There were three of them, Shea, two narrower than the third, which was considerably larger. What, was, what, uh, what drinks was that Corvette number three getting? Mobile One. Surely the best. Uh, they've got the large bottle, which is 20 quarts worth of engine oil. Uh, they've got, I believe that was 20 quarts. Let me just spin it back around. Uh, yep, tw uh, two quarts, two quarts, sorry. Um, they had a second one that was engine oil, and then they had one that was transmission fluid. So, yep, the three bottles fully empty at this point. The amazing thing about Corvette is that Mobile One, who've been their lubricant partner for a very long time, not just for engine oil, but for transmission fluid, greases, etc. Uh, back in the GT Le Mans days, Mobile One offered to build them, design them, a bespoke oil.
uh, for that GT yeah. Le Mans car. That's been done. That's been done in the past. They, they, they did it. Funny enough, Mobile One did it for the Porsche RS Spider as well. Uh, special you know oil. Yeah. They used off-the-shelf oil. Wow. It could have gone down the five. I think it was the five W forty or the zero W thirty. I can't remember which way around it was. Fully synthetic, of course, developed. Oh three, four decades ago now for use in the airline industry actually and it's become standard for these highly stressed engines, not just for racing cars, for your street car as well. And what, what we just witnessed there in the pits, that's a great advert for that new Z06 GT3 as if it didn't need any more demand because it shows you how serviceable it can be and how Correct. you can replace those fluids, battle for the lead it is, well you don't need a timing screen for this, it's a car length Wayland Engineering Cadillac, Jack Aitken from Matt Campbell. Two great young stars. Neil Janney now has moved up into third place with that penalty for the number six. Once again, overuse of energy by the number six car. That's uh, dropped it down to fifth position, but still on the lead lap. We've still got six cars on the lead lap. Richard Westbrook back on the lead lap for the moment, but I'm Oh, no, he has made his pit stop. He started the pit stop cycle. So Westy back on the lead lap at some 56 seconds away from the lead. So that yellow car is still in with it. And the leader goes on the grass through the kink. Jack Aiken with a tiny, tiny mistake. But put the right-hand side Michelins into the dirt. Actually, that wasn't in the kink. That was uh, They're at the kink now. I thought he just drifted a tiny bit wide, but he was coming down into the international horseshoe. It was at the mini kink. It was the, yeah, just after the, the little chicane between turns two and three, often called the extra corner or the hidden corner. Now, it couldn't really be any closer unless Matt Campbell was leaning across and holding hands with people to Rani, uh, with uh, Jack Aiken, excuse me. It was the class-leading number one BMW that the leader of the race was trying to get through. No, it wasn't. It was the Kelly Moss number 92 car. My apologies. Uh, and who was at the wheel of that car? Porsche Works driver, Julian Adler. Really? Yeah, it helps to have friends out there. Yep. The leader in that category that I was talking about there, the number one Paul Miller car, is in the pit lane for full service. Adam will keep an eye on that. We'll stay with the lead battle at the moment. It's enthralling. We've gone over the 18-hour mark. We're into the last third of the race. Shea Adam, Paul Miller, uh, holding on to a really good position. They've been controlling the GTD battle. And they just got maximum points once again for the Michelin Endurance Cup. So that's twice in this race that they've accomplished that. Uh, Neil Verhagen is out. Madison Snow has taken over. They put scrub Michelins on his car by the looks of it. They didn't look perfectly clean, but it was a good stop from the PMR boys. A newly minted BMW supported driver for 2024. Now rated as gold. out at the far end of the circuit. We can't take our eyes off this no. for a moment. <laughs> How Peter. could you? How could you? Now, we are only about 12 minutes away from Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones taking over, so they'll mess all of this up. We'll no, they won't. <laughs> Have faith. Have faith. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny's going to love this. Johnny and Bruce are going to love this. I'm looking forward to listening to them. Oh, me too. We can go and have a breakfast and I'm, enjoy some... Yeah, we're going to go... Johnson's Palmer breakfast show. Yeah. 
They've, they've done the powered by Sacred Coffee overnight. Now it's the late breakfast. Almost into brunch, actually. The imagery here. You can understand why filmmakers have been drawn to motor racing down through the years. But there's something extra special about the transitions from day to dark and from darkness back into dawn and daylight. Here comes the Porsche on the upside of the track. Can't get it done. Jack Aitken, Wiley. Determined defence by the Englishman. Goes right to the inside. He's going to make Matt Campbell go around the outside of the International Horseshoe. They're still overlapping here. Aitken's got to give room. That will give the inside of the kink to the Porsche driver. Here's the opportunity, but this will be very brief. They almost touch coming through the kink. Peter Mackay to my right closes his eyes and breathes out very heavily. It's not over yet. Switch to the outside, now back to the inside. Now the chasing driver can do that, they can move around. It can go deep into turn six. The leading driver cannot move in reaction to what's going on behind him. That would be termed as blocking. It's all fine at the moment. It's better than all fine. It's absolutely enthralling down to the Le Mans chicane. Oh, oh, underneath the yellow line from both now. That's getting a bit close. It's not the same sort of regulations that you would have. I think that would have been okay in the UK or Europe. Jeremy Shaw and I have had heated discussions about this down through the years. But the simple rule is here. Racing room has to be given. You can make your move and stick with it. So Jack wants to go to the inside at turn one. He'll go to the inside and stick there. Here comes the Porsche again. Now, Campbell. Pippo Durrani mentioned in our um, uh, Michelin countdown to green that the Porsche had very good top-end speed. Um, and that's actually evident. Just coming through the trioval, just to that very peak of top speed, that's... Campbell just appears to have an edge. Yes, there's a slipstream effect. Of course there is. But uh, that's definitely a little bit of an edge there for the uh, for the Porsche. And remember, Matt Campbell pulled an amazing move around the outside early tight. on in the race. Oh, he that, got forced that was well a... down. Was there a second move there from Aitken? Aitken's going to claim he was pushing the lap. Oh, they both picked up a whole load of clag and rubbish on the Michelin tyres. I wouldn't want to call that one. I think that would have been harsh. Jack knew what he was doing there. He's yep. made one continuous move to the inside, but he did drive down underneath the double yellows. Now, he's, uh, it's a good job he's in the car, John, because you said he was English. He's got a Scottish thistle on his helmet. Well, uh, yes, British. that's true. We'll go safe. British, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll apologise to Jack later on. <laughs> uh, Far Eastern and Scottish heritage. Yeah. What flag has he got on his... Uh, uh, that's I, a good question, actually. I'm not I think, sure. I think he has got... The, right, he's got the union flag on yeah. there. Shall we breathe for a moment? Because Matt Campbell has just for a moment dropped back from this battle. And we're coming up to another clock hour with 8 o'clock looming. Let's go down and take a CrowdStrike pit report. Indeed, it's an interview as Shea has caught up with Jan Halen. Jan, you look exhausted. How hard is this race? Because it seems like it really is a 24-hour sprint. 
Well, it's extra hard because, you know, we just don't have the pace, you know. So we're, we're trying to stay on the lead lap or trying to get back on the lead lap. It's, um, yeah, it's been a really, a really tough race. Um, I really did not see this coming. Um, you know, last week after all the testing, I thought we were looking so good. And, yeah, we're just too, uh, we're just too slow. And um, yeah, I feel for, you know, I feel for all the guys. We've all worked so hard and... It's, it's just not happening right now. Is it more a game of survival at this point, just trying to be there at the end while the others fall off? Well, we're like right now we're trying to get back on the lead lap. So that's 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 our number one priority right now. And then, I mean, we're going to need a tremendous amount of luck, you know, with strategy to uh, to be in for a good result at the end. But, you know, we don't, you know, we, we never give up, but it's not going to be easy. I believe in you. You can keep pushing out there. Luck's in your name, after all, with your father-in-law, Charlie Luck. Um, given how difficult this race is, what does that give you to work on going forward? Because it's a full endurance championship this year for you and Adam and Elliot. Yeah, I have to say that I think as a team we've uh, we've done a, a really good job, and the drivers, Elliot, Adam, they've also uh, they've done you know. I feel like they, they've outperformed themselves and uh, Fred has done a good job. So it's not, um, this is not something that we control. We just got to stay in it and hope for a little bit of luck at the end. Well, at least breakfast is here. That's a sunny side. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Yeah, looking forward to that. Shea Adam with that crowd strike pitch report. 1.1 seconds at the front of the field. Do a little mini VP update here. And another 40 seconds back to Neil Janney. It's Martha Jacobson and Ryan TL. has dropped to eight seconds in that battle for LMP2. The 0-4 Crouchstein car from the 18, the blue of ERA. Madison Snow has consolidated that lead since he took over. Earl Bamba in the number four Corvette is now 25 seconds behind and has gone back ahead of the 62 Risi Competizione Ferrari those two having a cramming, cracking scrap, easy for me to say uh, Bamba now in that car and Collado took over from uh, Alessio Rivera, uh, no it wasn't Alessio Rivera was it, who was it before Collado, doesn't matter, it's carrying on with different drivers, it was Daniel Serra, thank you Shay. Uh, and it's a 19 second gap for the GTT battle 19 seconds in the favour of Winwood Racing ahead of the Triage all 23 and here's the battle for the lead again side by side for the lead and the Porsche leads over the line and this time it's the right Porsche that helps out its bigger teammates unwittingly I'm sure and the lead changes again Matt Campbell getting the draft over the tri-oval Peter Mackay had spotted and noticed that additional speed advantage now, can Campbell pull away? Well, that's the question. He's been behind. He's been putting Aitken under huge, huge pressure. And now there's a great opportunity for Campbell to continue this mammoth double stint. My stint of the day, uh, for sure. Just got 
played the traffic perfectly. Aitken was a little bit unlucky, and Campbell just took his opportunity, exploited his <laughs> advantage, and just, again, another little basketball screen style and goes through. Now, thank you again to, to Tim Fulbrook and, and several others for writing in. Jack Aitken has two flags on his uh, uh, on his suit, he has the British flag and the South Korean flag, yeah, because he's got um, a parent from from each. Okay. So there you go. That's we, great. We thank cleared you. it up. Thank, thank you. you very much. Let's uh, link up our global broadcast centres one and two, and say good morning once again to Bruce Jones and Johnny Palmer. Good morning, Johnny. Hey, John. Yeah, this is uh, really starting to wind up now, isn't it? It's funny, you go away for a couple of hours and the track's completely changed now. It was still in full darkness when we handed back to you, but uh, we've <laughs> mentally this feels like the home stretch now, but I mean, there's still just 15 minutes less than a sort of standard World Endurance Championship race to go. So plenty more of uh, this narrative to be unfolding in front of us, John. Uh, and if we needed, I don't think we needed waking up for at breakfast time, but the front of the field and the battle in LMP2 uh, up until that last pit stop uh, has kept us going. And we've got a Corvette behind the wall. Ah, this is the car that's been smoking. Finally, they've decided to bring the number three car in. Uh, this is uh, Sims, Alexander Sims behind the wheel. And I wondered earlier on if it was some kind of turbo pipe or turbo seal that was leaking. They're having a look at that now. It was quite worrying earlier on at JP. A lot of yelling going on there. Yelling and pointing, never good. Um, I find it amazing, Johnny. We're only a year into the GTPs and look at what we're seeing at the head of the field and Porsche, with their customer cars as well, doing what Porsche customer racing have always done. You're always going to get the uh, success bleeding into a customer car that was effectively released at roughly the same time as the factory car and that was I suppose the danger for Porsche Penske Motorsport um, being up against some really established sports car teams and effectively having the same machinery at their disposal and I mean it's been fascinating to watch who's got the upper hand in amongst the 963s alone and Porsche Penske Motorsport yeah. had been learning uh, throughout the, their WEC campaign in 2023 as well. Didn't start off well, but they were definitely getting to grips with it in the latter races. And it sort of feels like it's continued on from last year's IMSA season and indeed further afield around the world. Uh, Bruce Jones is the second voice for the next few hours. Uh, battles right throughout the field, including... Uh, for second and third in GTD Pro, just going down the short shoot to turn six. That's Ferrari versus Corvette. But seeing those four GTPs, Bruce, from Porsche at the front of the field, uh, you don't have to, well, when you're our age, you don't feel like you're thinking back very far to some clashing Porsche encounters in top-class racing down through the years. Uh, you could safely say almost a couple of generations have been born since those Group C times, John. But uh, no, entirely so. And I think it's it, we knew when they announced they were going to automatically have um, customer drivers with that with the program as they did with the 956s and 962s, and the fact that the teams like Jota last year got straight on the pace with them, starred at them more. Real, real accolade for Porsche, and long may they continue like that. One of the things we picked up, Johnny, before we came off two hours ago, was the fact the number three Corvette was starting to steam and smoke around uh, the track, and under daylight we've seen it, and now that car parked behind the wall being cleaned up. 
It's Bruce Jones, meet Johnny Palmer in the Global Broadcast Centre and bringing us the CrowdStrike pit reports. At exactly 8 o'clock in the morning is Shea Adam. Is it easier to sleep, Russell, when it is the car that you are driving, the 57 Windward Racing Mercedes, in the lead of the race or fighting for the lead? I mean, that's a tough question. I mean, you'll look... It's easier to sleep when you're in the lead. I mean, this Mercedes AMG, it loves the clean air. That's where it's the fastest. And, you know, Daniel, Indy, and Philip are doing an amazing job. And, you know, look, I'm getting a little bit of reminiscing. I think we've been in this situation before a couple of years, a couple of years ago, and and hopefully it'll go our way again. Yeah, 2021 was a pretty good one for you guys. Um, just thinking on the way that this race has unfolded so far, is it kind of what you thought it would be with a little bit of chaos but a long green run lately? You know, it's it's just, it's so, it's so similar to what we had in 2021. We got the Ferrari coming up our tail. It looks fast, you know, but... But I, I have faith in our guys. I mean, we did it. We did it before. We got a well-trained pit crew, and and we're just we're hungry for it again. We need another watch. Yeah, definitely for sure. And if you guys want to know how hungry they are, they brought Duncan in for their crew members. I'm going to stock all the breakfast options and let you know. Russell Ward from the 57 crew, and uh, it's been going pretty well for those guys within GTD over. I was going to say the last few hours, but really top top them all up and uh, into the final quarter of the race they are exactly where they would like to be 17 and a bit seconds ahead of their nearest rivals but they know that that can evaporate in the blink of an eye uh, with a full course yellow or indeed with this kind of incident that the number three corvette are having to um sort of finally bite the bullet and say we've got to stop the car to sort this issue out and i'm now winding the clock back to those hours of darkness that you and I covered between 2 and 6 o'clock this morning when I said, is there a little bit of smoke coming out of that Corvette? It was in the headlights of Daniel Serra at the time of the 62 Risi Competizioni Ferrari. I put it down to just a bit of ambient mist. I should have maybe stuck to my guns because there was clearly something, some fluid or, I don't know, smoke trailing from the back of this Corvette, and that's now confirmed. Yeah, I must confess, I looked at it and thought much the same as you. Brilliant spot at the time, because it was much easier just to admire the battle between the Corvette and the, the Ferrari, and the Ferrari was definitely gaining, but it took quite a while to get by. But at the previous pit stop for the number three Corvette, the one where it stayed in the pit lane, certainly the IMSA officials are getting very, very interested in what was going on and what was leaking out of the rear right-hand corner. And right now, clearly, that message has got through. They are sorting it out, but plummeting down the order. It was uh, running in the top four in GTD Pro and it's not there any longer and in fact it's hemorrhaging its advantage the sister car however with Earl Bamber on board the number four is 25 seconds down on uh, the class leader which is Madison Snow in the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW James Collado in that uh, number 62 Ritzy Competizioni uh, Ferrari second in GTD Pro then Earl Bamber and then Michael Christensen car number 77 uh, again, running nicely, but as others fall back, others come forward. So AO Racing with uh, Rexy going well in the hands of the Dane. But really, it's Madison Snow and the BMW for Paul Miller Racing. Number one on the door, number one is the class position. And that BMW also showing its battle scars with a chunk of the rear right bumper missing from the car. That's been gone for a while now. Maybe telling the tale of a, a previous puncture, but they'll just be grateful for the car to be a bit lighter, I suppose, now, running around without that bodywork that is not essential as per the regulations. So the Madison Snow-driven number one BMW leads GTD Pro. GTD, we've already covered the 57 Windward Mercedes. LMP2 
It's Pietro Fittipaldi driving the 52 car in LMP2. And although there was one Ligier that began that class in amongst otherwise an Orica 07 field, uh, the Ligier faded fairly early on to leave us with a top three, indeed top four and more with, of just uh, the Oricas there. But again, 40-odd seconds, so that's one, two cars on the lead lap, maybe even uh, maybe three or four cars just about on the lead lap. I have to work that out. 71 seconds between first and fourth. So that is less than a lap time, Bruce. It is. And uh, if you're blinking, if you weren't paying attention quite late in the week, it was, I think, Saturday morning or maybe Friday evening, we got the announcement that uh, Pietro Fittipaldi had a seat in this race with Inter Europol competition. competition and uh, that was because poor Clement Novelak had a little tumble in and around the pits and injured a, sort of, uh, injured a hip. I think, as a leg injury, so one of those freak occurrences. Do you remember years ago, before the start of the Le Mans 24 hours, when uh, Indian racer Narain Kartikayan decided he wanted a last-minute visit to the WC, vaulted over the pit wall and uh, twisted his shoulder, and that was that. So a full dislocation, I full think, dislocation, remember, yes. Whilst trying to jump the pit wall, yeah, and um, could not take the start of the race, and the car still started, didn't it, but just with two drivers. Just with two drivers. Uh, guys, yeah. 24 hours ahead. Do you want the good news? I'll give you the bad news first. <laughs> You're going to be very busy. 600 laps completed here at the 62, uh, 62nd edition of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. And Matt Campbell on lap 601 leads in Porsche number 7 from Penske Motorsports. So there, 963, three and a half seconds up the road from Jack Aitken for Whalen Engineering and their Cadillac V-Series R. Also on that lead lap, but 48 seconds further back down the road, Neil Jarney. So he has just ticked off lap 600, as has Mathieu Jaminet in the third of the Porsche 963s in that top four. So Porsche Penske Motorsport first and fourth. They're battling one of the customer teams in Proton Competition Mustang Sampling, driven by Swiss driver Neil Jarney, and he's running in third position. That's quite an arm wrestle as well for you know the best Porsche honours to make it to the podium potentially. There's only five seconds between those two cars as well. Penske will not like it to be beaten to a podium finish by one of the customer Porsche programmes. Now earlier we picked up a bit of uh, smoke coming out of the back of the number three Corvette. I'd like you to take a look when you can, Johnny, a different camera angle at the flank of the FAF Motorsport McLaren. I think the right rear corner is also emitting a little bit of something. Number nine car looks fantastic. Uh, however, I don't think the steam. Maybe it's just an angle. Maybe gone over a bit of bit of dirt or something. But certainly something was coming out of the right rear. Uh, they're very sleek looking McLaren. All right, keep uh, my oh, yeah, eagle eye on that. We know about the 70 dramas with the battery that needed replacing, and that's when the Inception car was right in the hunt for a cracking result. But unfortunately, the lengthy pit stop earlier on took it well out of contention. It is running again, number 70 McLaren 720S for Frederick Scharndorf, but down in 14th position in GTD. As the FAF car comes down from the tri-oval, Martin Kerhofer driving this car, and he's 10th in GTD Pro. 
actually uh, not that far away from the other McLaren on the timing screen. They're 39th and 41st, respectively. Yeah, but it's running perfectly good pace. I may have just had a bit of a false call, but good news that uh, Shea Adam is uh, sprinting down just to check it out because I know the crew taking over the FAF Motorsport uh, McLaren, all the drivers are very, very impressed with this uh, bit of machinery and it does add a bit of variety in the field as well two mclarens in the field but i feel the space for a few more in years to come so definitely. any good showing will definitely be well received yeah the more the merrier to make the variety even greater we're hearing from faf that uh, it's all fine and no misreadings or no erroneous coding on the electrics or anything on the telemetry to be worried about either as uh, also from Shea, I hear the number three car is returning to the racetrack. So that is, uh, thankfully, the dramas with the Alexander Sims Corvette uh, hopefully solved. The problem for those guys, though, at Pratt & Miller is that they were leading the race. They've been flirting, certainly, with a first or a second place finish. And now it's dropped to eighth place. Another, How quickly things change. Yeah, and another figure I can throw you, it's uh, between six and seven laps down, as opposed to just about half a lap down as it was at the time. But hopefully the fix is good. There'll be no further problems with that corner of the car. A brightening morning at the Daytona International Speedway, but for some of the cars, they are looking a little bit as though they've been in the battle. Just a yes. little bit as though they've been running for, oh, I don't know, let's say 18 hours or so, which indeed they have, very nearly 18 and a half on the clock. But at the moment, with uh, the, the overtake, a handful of laps ago, brilliant working of the traffic uh, by uh, Matt Campbell. And unfortunately for Jack Aitken, he was lower down the banking and then suddenly found the uh, Elliott Skier um, driving along, minding his own business, the Chip Park Racing GTD Porsche. But, you know, sometimes the traffic will be just where you don't want it. That was very much the case for Jack Aitken. But since then, Jack has fallen back by uh, nearly 4.3 seconds from Matt Campbell. So the Australian is, is escaping. But the good news is for race fans all over watching this race is they're on nigh on identical energy consumption. In fact, Matt Campbell's possibly got an extra lap over Jack Aitken a short while ago. I'm fairly sure they're exactly on the same rate of uh, energy usage. And don't forget, not so long ago, the number six Porsche that should have been right in the mix uh, with Mathieu Jaminet on board got pinged and penalised, had to come in for a 10-second stop and go for overuse of energy. This is something, if you're old school, you won't necessarily understand, but if you just accept what we're saying, they have a certain amount of energy they're allowed to use, it gets topped up at each pit stop, then that's fine. Yeah. It starts at 100%, well, it goes to zero. If you go beneath that, well, it's a mathematical impossibility. But you, you, can't, you, you can't call it entirely fuel no. these days, as you have been able to do for decades and decades, but fuel is essentially energy, and when you run out of fuel, the car stops. Whereas these days, they're recycling the energy with the regen and the hybrid and blah, blah. And there's only so much energy you can use through the hybrid as well. And that's governed very cleverly by the officials and by the monitoring systems, by the electrical systems. And once the energy goes, the car stops. So that has not really changed. It's just that technology has sort of um, got very, very high spec. Um, and... We've seen it before in the World Endurance Championship. Last year at Spa, I mentioned this earlier on in our coverage that Laurence Vantor mentioned the, uh, the dashboard went entirely black and the car responded no more, and then it was out. That was a Porsche Penske Motorsport 963. So, so important that you know how much fuel is in the tank and you know how much energy you still have to use. Really sounded like a sort of 1980s video game where it just went game over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Entirely, and, and 
the, the more awkward thing for the Belgian was that he was actually on, main, on the main straight at the time that it happened. So he could have actually dived into the pits, chose not to, and then powering out of the chicane at Spa. Sorry, that's it. You're out. Wow. <laughs> How decisive can it be? <laughs> you know when it's a 50-50 decision, doesn't really matter. Oh, it does matter which choice I made. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Especially I'm at Spa, where it's, you know, it's one of the longer tracks, uh, or longer Grand Prix tracks of the world, longest, perhaps, these days, at seven kilometres. So you were never going to get around there to complete another one. And, you know, sports car racing is changing constantly, and it's just the latest thing that is set to potentially go against you. However, if you embrace it and weave it into the strategy, then it's just another hurdle to be jumped. Wind it right back to the start of Group C. Derek Bell absolutely hated what they had to do. It was a fuel economy formula and to drive around. I think he reckoned they were running five, sometimes eight seconds off a potential lap pace. Of course, we had whiffs of that in Formula One a handful of years ago. It wasn't edifying. Other manufacturers caught up. It all settled down. But at the start of that formula, it was a formula that saved top level sports car racing around the world once you got going but those early days he must be thinking this is a giant step back I'm a racing driver not a taxi driver fairly sure that's one of the quotes he gave me at one point but uh, it came good I think we could say not just for Derek but uh, for a host of host of others and again back to the back to this notion of Porsche running works cars and customer cars they're staying true to that today at the moment one of their works cars the number seven is leading the race the sister car number six is down in fourth place after that very recent uh, stop and go penalty 10 seconds at a standstill at pit exit for overuse of energy and between them there's another Porsche that's the Proton competition car car number five Neil Diani at the wheel of that and then there's that other car that's been doing rather well through the course of the race the number 31 wheel and engineering uh, Cadillac, and that's got Jack Aitken on board at the moment. He lost the lead to Matt Campbell, who worked the traffic a little bit better, but with each lap, he's just fallen away a little bit more. That said, last lap, he took half a second out of the race leader, but that's where the traffic falls in front of you. But really, when we came on in the middle of the night, just before the halfway point in the race, the Porsches weren't quite there. They were back a little bit. You definitely had um, some really strong running uh, from the two Cadillacs, 31 and 01, but they were back just outside the top three. To, and, uh, of course, we had one of the Acuras still there at the time, the number 40. Then we had the two BMWs there, and then suddenly, in really the space of an hour or so, both of them hit trouble and have fallen down the order to the tail of the GTP class, which has the BMWs in seventh and eighth overall. Maxime Martin is still nine laps down with the race leader, has lost no further time since the delay for 25, and likewise... 14 laps down is the sister car with Philippe Eng in number 24. Since their problems were fixed, since it stopped for Dries Van Tour, if you remember, just before turn six, they couldn't get it going. They towed it back. The tow strap broke, so the yeah. delay had to be put on a flatbed. Dries Van Tour was taken out of the car, went behind the wall. We didn't know how long it was going to take, but when it came out, it hit the track and was suddenly fully on the pace. So really, really galling for not one, but both of the works BMWs from Ray Hull, Lanigan Racing Crew. So important to have a fast race guy here, but it has to be reliable as well. And that's often the difficult um, balance that you have to strike. And I hear what Derek Bell was saying when, when you were chatting to him in all those years ago to say, I want to go as fast as I possibly can. But you've also got to make sure the car makes the finish as well. And uh, difficult to build a car that will do that and perform so consistently for 24 hours. That's the huge challenge of one of these events. Texan driver Colin Brown, 35 years old uh, now, and he is leading the LMP2 field for CrowdStrike with APR. 
And leading but, by 8.4 seconds over Ryan Diel. Yeah, but Ryan Diel is absolutely flying in the number 18 Orica. And uh, last lap took a second out of the class leader. So Era Motorsport, the car is really hooked up. And the Scott, who about three hours ago was in second and third position in class, or his car was, is really flying in these early morning daylight hours. Let's see what happens uh, next time around. But Colin Braun, Brown leading the way. Uh, in the 0-4 entry, along with his teammate George Kurtz, Toby Sowery and Malta Jakobsen. But uh, certainly right now, Colin Brown doing a great job there. But, but Dayel is absolutely flying. Pietro Fittipaldi is trying to give chase as well. He's matching the pace of Colin Brown, but third overall in P2 at the moment. The bright yellow and green, the Inter-Europol uh, competition car. Going through the Le Mans chicane at the back. Gosh, really pressing on. I love how dynamic. For some reason... I find P2 cars actually look slightly more dynamic than the prototypes in GTP. Possibly their aero isn't quite as good, but they really seem to bounce over the kerbs. You can see the bodywork shaking on the exit. Maybe they haven't got as much downforce as uh, the cars in GTP. Rather older design, it must be said now, yeah. the Orica uh, 07. Very effective. You can almost guarantee close racing. Of course, we had that one interloper, the one Ligier, brought back from the dead, if you will. Hasn't been raced for several years, but the JS uh, P217. Sean Creech Motorsport running that. Alas for them, it's not at the sharp end of the field. It's uh, rather fallen back and it's been uh, qu quite delayed. Car 33, 494 laps on, uh, yeah, nearly best part of uh, 100 laps down there. So the problems have been manifold. It feels like a more kind of bare bones way of prototype racing. I mean, these Oricas are also carry quite a lot of tech. Um, but you can almost see the, the car working and how the air is keeping it glued to the road whereas with the styling cues of the various GTPs that look superb by the way but they they do rather create the car to be more on rails perhaps whereas these Oricas you know it's a visceral uh, experience. The very word that was uh, popping onto my tongue it really does seem they're having to work so much harder which I, I guess they would if the aero isn't as advanced as it is on the cars in the GTP class and let's face it all of those are more modern more recently designed of these uh, P2 class-leading cars. I mean, of course, when LMP2 was pushed into its last iteration, they were four permitted constructors. And yeah, we had a Ligier in the race, but uh, you have to scratch your head and ask the sports car fans, who were the two other manufacturers who won the right to build the cars? Yeah. You get forgotten if you're not on the track. Those of us in the know will know who they were. But... You know, it's just, it's just one of those things. Orica has just done a phenomenal job. And... Um, you look back, for years they ran other cars, but then they started building their own, and it really has been fabulous. And, of course, deeply involved with the um, Ferrari 499P and uh, its uh, return to bring Ferrari back to the top level of sports car racing. So a fair degree of reward for the French constructor when it came to victory in the Le Mans 24 hours on their home patch last year. We should also remember that the, those same four manufacturers are again present or perhaps will be present in the case of the Lamborghini in, uh, G in LMDH rules as well. So, for instance, the Acura ARX06, the 40 and the 10 cars in this race are based on an Orica chassis. Likewise, the new Alpine for 2024, which is being built to LMDH rules. The BMWs are Delaras underneath the skin of that M hybrid V8, like the Cadillac. Multimatic building or helping to build the Porsche Penske motorsport cars 
and the Lamborghini forthcoming for 2024. That is a Ligier-built chassis too. So the same four that were allowed to build LMP2 cars when that rule reset a few years ago are also present in LMDH. And a question of you know, whichever chassis is chosen by each of the big manufacturers, it's got to be competitive. And I suppose in this championship run by IMSA, uh, it's more imperative for them to make sure that everyone's got a fair shout at uh, the big victories and indeed the small victories through the season 2024. Right, the gap between first and second is out to 6.9 seconds in the advantage of the number seven Porsche. And the top cars are about to come in because their energy remaining is uh, the race leader, Matt Campbell's got 10% left, but uh, behind him, Jack Aitken just down to 5%, Matteo Jaminet in third place, he's just moved ahead of Neil Yanni, 5%, and the Swiss driver, Yanni, also 5%. So, uh, Shay Adam down in the pit lane, the CrowdStrike pit lane reporter is all set for a flurry of cars coming in with five hours and 20 minutes remaining. And it's all going to begin with the number six for Porsche Penske Motorsport. This will be a driver change. Matthew Jemine getting out. Lawrence Vantor taking over. They are doing four new Michelin tires. Let's see. Do they have the M on them? No, they don't. Actually, there is no big M sticker on the side, but that doesn't mean that they're not mediums. Uh, if I got in there closer, I'd probably could tell them giving them a little bit of space because while they're refueling it's better to do that again a perfect stop from the crew getting all the work done well ahead of time of the fuel nozzle being removed from the car and now larry is just waiting his crew member in the front of the car is pointing at him to say hey you pay attention to me look at me i'll tell you when to go if the 25 bmw comes in just a couple boxes up ahead that's Maxime Martin. He'll be staying aboard. That's Lawrence Vantor roaring back into life. And a few pit boxes further down, it is Jack Aiken staying aboard the number 31 Whalen Engineering Cadillac. This is a four-tire change. They are doing sticker Michelins and fuel. And now up on the wall for the number seven, Matt Campbell will be getting out of this car because Felipe Nasser is ready to take over. They have tires that are marked M medium. But, of course, now we are outside of the time when you can use the softs. And just remind us, Shay, when that soft window, if you like, was open. Was that through the, the evening hours and the night time? Sun up, yes. So? I think the hard out was at 7 a.m. Okay. Uh, again, I mean, tyres are hugely restricted in this race, so much so that some, dry, some teams chose not to run in some particular sessions in the early part of the weekend, if we can call Wednesday and Thursday part of a weekend. Um, and... Yes, you've got to work out which tyres you'll be using in the race full stop, but also in these uh, carefully prepared time slots as well. So when sunrise has happened, no more soft tyres. Sunrise at 7.15 this morning. We're now at 8.23 in the morning at Daytona, leaving us with five hours and 18 minutes still to go. Pit stop for the number 40 Acura ARX. 06 for Louis Delatraz, who's just brought that car in. And if Louis staying on board, uh, there was certainly a tear-off being removed from the windscreen there, Shay. Yeah, there was, and fuel and tyres as well. So 
Louis uh, being treated very well down at WTR Andretti. That car moving back into life. And the pit stop happening now for the number seven Penske Porsche. This one is taking full service. As I mentioned, the medium tires that have gone on the car, which she'll tear off for Felipe Nasser. And I'm going to have to climb over the wall and get a chat with uh, Matt Campbell because that was, well, that was a beautiful stint to start off a Sunday morning. Yeah, we'll look forward to that as part of our CrowdStrike pit reports in a moment or two. Give Matt a chance just to catch his breath as the fuel's now going into the other Porsche Penske motorsport car. So uh, the seven still in the pits. The six is back on the move for Lawrence Van Tor. Louis Delatraz staying at the wheel of the number 40 Acura for Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti. So he will now be able to see where he's going with uh, all of that detritus removed from the windshield. Jack Aitken installed remaining on board for yet another stint in the Cadillac. Neil Jarney staying exactly where he is too in the number five Proton competition. Mustang sampling 963. So that will leave Cadillac to lead. Remember, the seven Matt Campbell Porsche remains in the pit, so it's Cadillac, Porsche, Acura after the recent um, wind-around for the pit stops. Actually, no, it's not. So, so despite Campbell and Campbell's Porsche being in the pits, it's retained the race lead, and the gap is now 40 seconds. So, outlap for Felipe Nazza. No tyre warmers, though, remember, so it'll take him a bit of time to get back up to full speed, and it looks like the net result is... 51 seconds, the gap between Nazza and Jack Aitken, Bruce. Waiting, watching. I was just taking a look at other factors that may affect the outcome of this race, and it's a beautiful morning at Daytona. Broken cloud, but blue sky has been spotted, so hopefully we will have a f run of fair weather through to the end of this race. But uh, sometimes you can focus so much on the tarmac and what's moving around on it, you don't look up to check out on the sky. But suddenly, as happens in races with a large number of cars, you can have people running on their own and suddenly just have great gaggles of car. And importantly for Philippe, Philippe Nasser, there's a quartet of GTD cars. He's got past them, and he's now left them in his wake. He doesn't have to worry and he can concentrate on what you were just talking about, that crucial element of getting the new set of tyres up to temperature to get the grip you require uh, to proceed at the pace you really choose. So uh, that was fortunate. There's nothing worse for a GTP driver than coming out and finding a load of cars where he wants. For the you know, Going through turns, uh, well, obviously turn one, you emerge on the track between there and turn two, but you want to get out of turn six and move up onto the banking with no one ahead, get that G-force and all that loading into your tyres to get the heat in. Still waiting for Felipe Nazza to come around to complete the lap, but uh, mid-sector um, gaps between Nazza and Aitken indicate it's about nine seconds. I know on our graphic we've got 40.3, but that should come down to closer to nine seconds, maybe even eight and a half. So it's much, much tighter. There we go. Confirmation as Jack Aitken crosses the line. That gap has been uh, sliced down to 8.6, which is pretty much where it was prior to those pit stops, give or take. Give or take a couple of seconds. It was around six and a half seconds when they came in, so a little bit of traffic could uh, either boost that or reduce it. But uh, Jack Aitken picking his way past the number 23, Heart of Racing entry, pulling clear of that, no problem whatsoever, that's in the GTD Pro class, the Aston Martin Vantage and of course a, a new Vantage for 2024 uh, you stand in the distance, you can't spot it too much but move close, but hey, good work because uh, Matt, great work from Matthew Campbell but uh, he's been caught by Shay. won't let him get away, so let's hear what our race leader had to say, well, he's no longer the race leader but his car is still leading, the number 7 Porsche 
Yeah, he's fast on the track, but not fast enough to run away from me, guys. Uh, Matt Campbell, how badly did you want to lead this race? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think for us, you know, we want to be in the front. We want to be leading this race and controlling it, uh, running our own race. Uh, obviously, we've we've led quite a lot of the night, uh, and now in the daytime, taking it back. So, uh, pretty comfortable with the car, uh, close fighting there with the 31. So, uh, I think it'll be really exciting the last sort of five and a half hours. Has it felt like the energy has ramped up for you guys inside the car? Because watching it, it seems very consistent that it's been elbows out the whole time. I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty consistent at the moment. I wouldn't say it's necessarily easy at the moment. Uh, I feel like everyone is really struggling with the same things on track between all the GTP cars. So uh, it's definitely a, a struggle out there to be able to uh, you know, look after the tyre and, and manage your own pace. Um, but in saying that, you know... It's a long way to go, and you know we're in a good position, so we're, we're where we want to be. As it continues to heat up throughout the day, do you think you'll see more drivers doing single stints toward the end of the race? I mean, might we see you back in the car again? Yeah, I'll definitely be in the car another couple of times. Um, I think for us, the double stints are working quite well, um, so no real issue there. We feel quite comfortable in the car. Um, it's a little bit warm, but I think it's okay, and, and it's not uh, looking like it's going to be too extremely hot today. Thanks, Matt. It was good to see you lead out there. Thank you. Matty Campbell has been victorious here at Daytona a, a couple of years ago when he ran in the FAF Motorsport Porsche 911 GT3R. That was within GTD Pro. He shared the car with Mathieu Jaminet and Philippe Nazar at the time. So has got a Rolex in his possession, but it's not quite the same as winning the race outright. And he is in that lineup from car number seven right now that does lead with uh, Nazar as well. Uh, yes, as it happens, but just a, just a thought as Felipe Nazar leads around. If it hadn't been for the most recent uh, stop and go penalty for the sister car, the number six Porsche Penske Motorsport 963, now driven by Lawrence Van Tour, we'd have a three way battle with the top three covered cars covered by 10 seconds. The gap between first and second between Nazar and Jack Aitken's Cadillac is increasing. It's out to 9.1 seconds, but I really, do really feel for Lawrence Van Tour and the gang, including Nick Tandy. Uh, in that number six Porsche. They should have been right in the mix in that works car. This would be hugely exciting. But you know what? Who knows who else is going to pick up a penalty? But Porsche Penske Motorsport will be uh, reading out over the radio airwaves. Just to remind you, here, here are the rules on exceeding energy usage. Do not go, go for that. So Mathieu Jaminet was the driver who had to serve the penalty. He's since handed over the number six to Laurent Van Tour. Uh, but they all know about it, and it wasn't that car's first offence. And, of course, Kevin Estra was the other driver in that quartet. And in terms of lap pace at the moment, the number... Lawrence Van Tour in the number six Porsche has just managed uh, 1 minute 37.8, but uh, Felipe Nazza, last lap, 1 minute 36.5. Maybe traffic clear, but the Brazilian, that is why he's escaping. Now he's 10.5 seconds, in fact, uh, clear at the top of the field, so a much better lap for him than it was for the car in second place, the car of Jack Aitken, that wheel and engineering Cadillac. Great lap from Albert Costa, who is now driving the number 34 Conquest Racing Ferrari 296. That's the best lap in GTD that we've had all race, a 146.205 from the Spaniard. He's running around in eighth position, so easy to miss that for Conquest. You clearly have a quick Ferrari, but they just haven't had to, the, the luck necessarily in 2024. And two retirements that we've now had confirmed by race control in the last five minutes. They're both from the same team, the two AWA uh, Chevrolet Corvettes. Thomas Merrill was driving the number 17 
most recently. And Alex Lynn's car has been out of the race for quite some time now, car number 13. So both of the privately run Chevy Corvettes are now officially retired. That announced at 8.25, so six minutes ago. And uh, as we've just ticked around past the bottom of the hour at 8.31, we can give you a VP in-race update. So Felipe Nasser leads in the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 by 12 seconds over Jack Aitken's Whelan Engineering Cadillac V-Series R number 31. It's the number six Laurence Vantor-driven Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 in third. So that team, Roger Penske's outfit, running first and third now, and crucially for them, more importantly for them, outpacing the privateer Porsche GTPs. In LMP2, it's CrowdStrike racing by APR and the Orica of Colin Brown the engine note you can hear in the background, in fact, car number 04 that heads Era Motorsports, Ryan DL number 18, but only by 11 and a half seconds, so that is far from decided. Pietro Filipaldi for Inter Europol by PR1 Matheson Motorsport is in third place, car 52. GTD Pro, Madison Snow's Paul Miller Racing BMW M4 leading that car number one after 572 laps. And again, it's an 11 seconds advantage. So we've got 12 seconds between the top two in GTP, 11 seconds between the top two in LMP2, and a further 11 seconds between GTD Pro leaders. So Madison Snow from James Collado in the Risi Competizione Ferrari number 62. Earl Bamber's number four Corvette from Corvette Racing by Pratt & Miller is third. And in GTD, Daniel Morad for 57. Winward Racing Mercedes continues to lead that. It's a bigger margin back to second in GTD of 25 seconds to Riccardo Agostini for the Triassi Competizione Ferrari number 023. And Rui Andrade, the number 80 driver of Lone Star Racing's Mercedes, is in third. That's the VP in-race update with five hours and eight minutes to go, Bruce Jones. While you were running down the order in all of the four classes, uh, I can report for Porsche fans, the advantage at the front of the field is now out to 12.4 seconds at this point in the race. Fastest runner in the top three is the driver in third place, Lawrence Van Tour, got under 1 minute 37 flat last time around, whereas uh, only just under 1.38 flat was Jack Aitken. And he's done a series of laps in the 1 minute 38. That's why it's gone out from eight seconds after he rejoined and uh, Felipe Nazza took over the race leading number seven Porsche. But with each lap, seemingly, the advantage for the number seven Porsche has increased. 12.4 seconds now the advantage. Uh, he's Aitken, though, still suitably ahead by, of the third place car in class, which is number six, Lawrence Van Tour in his works Porsche. He's 59 seconds down on the ultimate pace, so therefore about 47 seconds up on Aitken, but the gap's coming down a little bit, but for Aitken, this slightly worrying stint. But then, of course, we've got to get what state his tyres are in. Were they changed at the last stop? I'm desperately trying to remember, because of course, all the GTP cars came in at pretty much the same time, give or take one lap. The number seven Porsche came out later. Thank you very much. Shay's just confirmed from the pit lane. Shay Adam part of the crowd strike pit lane crew that uh, they did take on fresh rubber so there's not ah and now in fact suddenly we're getting some faster laps from Jack Aitken he's gone below the 1 minute 38 mark two laps in a row he's down in the mid 1 minute 37s while ironically Felipe Nazza his pace has gone the other way chance to catch up on Derek Muller's progress in the Multimatic Motorsports Mustang GT3 fifth in GTD Pro but unfortunately for Dirk and the rest of the crew associated with 65, they have a way to go to find the top four in GTD Pro. 
Uh, 17th, 18th, 19th and 20th is where you find the Madison Snow, James Collado, Earl Bamber and Michael Christensen battle. And that's four different manufacturers. BMW leads, Ferrari leads, Chevy leads, Porsche. But the best of the Ford Mustang GT3s, car 65, just turning left through turn six now. Fifth but way down in 30th position overall. So there's a bank of nine GTD cars that separate it from Michael Christensen's AO Racing Porsche. Yeah, and also uh, Dirk Muller is uh, two laps down on the fourth car in the GTD Pro Class, which is Michael Christensen's AO Racing Porsche, the car you just mentioned. So that's a large gap yeah. to cut in. But I'm just delighted we've got another manufacturer pitching in at the top level, and I'm sure an awful lot of fans around the circuit at Daytona would have owned a Mustang of some form at some point in their life, whether in the real world or in their, in their heads. <laughs> I <laughs> like it. We all have an imaginary garage that uh, doesn't only have one car in it, I can assure you that. Too right. Yeah, actually, GTD Pro, yes, the top six are, are, are fanned out across various different laps. The leaders are on 5.75 right now. The sixth-place car has just completed 568 laps, so it's a gap of six laps. But they are, all, they are six different manufacturers there in GTD Pro. BMW, Ferrari, Chevrolet, Porsche, as mentioned, then lump in the Mustang GT3, which now pits, and the Aston Martin Vantage of Mario Farnbacher for Heart of Racing Team. Um, that probably tells the tale of, you know, one half of maybe a team that have brought two cars to GTD Pro, having a lots of luck with one and not so much with the other car. Hence the reason why, if you've got the budget to, better to enter with two horses in the race rather than just the one. But some of the customer programmes uh, have always targeted trying to get a result with just that one car and you've got to make sure that every single mark is hit for 24 hours if that's the case yeah in that situation if you've just got one car operating from under your team awning you possibly just got to be a little bit more cautious not afford yourself the ability to take every risk as it presents itself just to be entirely sure of everything for a car leaves you've got to dot, dot the i's and cross the t's absolutely and then it's in the lap of the gods after that yeah, two-car teams often affords you the chance to split the strategy. So you set one car to go blisteringly quick at the start and see whether the reliability will or the unreliability will kick in then, and then the more sedate approach might be the way to win it. When you've only got one car, you have to sort of balance that tightrope uh, in between the two and hope that that will work somehow. And as you say, an awful lot of luck involved. Uh, particularly here at Daytona it feels but looking back through sports car racing history I know I sort of tend to do that quite a lot but uh, you know back many decades ago you knew the cars would largely be braking quite a lot and a lot of people would have one of their works cars running running as um, a hare to try and attract the opposition to go go chasing and if when you're somewhere like Daytona or Le Mans you, the prestige was there as well and the temptation was to go too hard Corvette Racing by Pratt & Miller have been going through the wars with the number three car, that uh, tail light that had failed, but also an oil leak that they were trying to get to the bottom of. And now, Shea Adams just spotted a Corvette in pit road going behind the wall. This is not the three car, though. It's the sister car. It's the sister car. It's the number four. That was looking good for a podium position provisionally with five and a half hours to go. It, too, is behind the wall. I'm going to walk down. Of course, I walked all the way down to the pit out end of things. They're all the way at pit end, so I'll let you know when I get there. I'll give you an update. It's Earl Bamber who's had to pit from third position. Now, the one saving grace may well be 
that he was due a fuel stop anyway, but you're going to hemorrhage time now because of that car having to go behind the wall for more substantial work. And uh, yeah, the, the leaders in GTD Pro are a good two-thirds of the way through the stint, nearing the end of this particular run. Actually, that's now confirmed with James Collado coming in. So Collado in for fuel, and let's hope for nothing else as far as Risi Competizioni are concerned. But Corvette going to take quite a bit more time than the 62 Ferrari, and we'd expect Madison Snow in probably on the next lap as well. It's fuel and tyres for Risi. James Collado staying at the wheel of car 62, though, for another stint. That's... Uh, will be the car's 25th visit to the racetrack for uh, around about an hour's running. I love the fact, just moments ago, we were talking about the advantage of running two cars in your team for Corvette Racing suddenly with another one, the other one of their cars hitting the trouble, the number four. Well, hopefully it's not a long period for Earl Bamber and the gang, but the fact they've gone behind the pit wall to the garages at the back definitely means they're going to be dropping down that order. So certainly for Madison Snow and the gang at Paul Miller Racing, that is all very good news indeed. Now, does this explain why the number four car has had to go behind the wall, running out of brakes, perhaps, as it uh, struggled to stop into the Le Mans chicane on that inlap and has taken a big gulp of turf and dirt as the splitter scraped the bottom of the ground at the Le Mans chicane? And where is that? That You could have just carried on because of the incident. It's what's caused that, I think, is the reason why the car's come into the pits and now behind the wall. Yeah, you'd have to presume so. And also for anybody else following in the next lap or so, when they get to the second part, well, the... the second part of the first half of the chicane if you will to the to the right hander they'll find the track is covered in earth and dirt and dust and that certainly won't help for traction but yes you're quite right Earl Bamba appears to be staying on board there's certainly a driver sitting in the cockpit cockpit of that number four Corvette not a lot of work going on but lots of investigation under the front end of the car and I tell you what they're not working or trying to put a new splitter on that car they're reaching down low and I think your synopsis about um, a paucity in the braking department is possibly spot on Johnny and this isn't the only car to go behind the wall in the last couple of minutes because Martin Kirchhofer's FAF Motorsports McLaren is also now in the garage area of the paddock. You were suggesting maybe something was trailing from the back of the nine. Shea checked on the team and they said, no, all is fine. But obviously that is not the case now. Car nine behind the wall as well. There you go. We always look for sort of vital signs, but later in the race, as we are now, we've got uh, just done, oh, just five hours to go now, and a little bit of small change departed. But the 62 Ritzy Competizioni Ferrari, second in the GTD Pro class, running 18th overall, giving chase and trying to close in on Madison Snow in the number one Paul Miller car of the BMW that's leading the class. Red with the three white stripes up over the. the back of the, of the bonnet and over the roof of that uh, 62 Ritzy car. It looks fantastic, but it does look wonderfully grubby. You know, when you get out at night and suddenly the light is coming onto the cars, there's a bit of sun on the roofs of the cars at various points, you can just see how much filth has come off the circuit. It's uh, sort of red on top and largely greyish-black by the bottom of the doors. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's a sign of uh, how hard these cars have been working after all it's the cars that do the full distance we worry about the drivers well you know the, these mechanical beasts that have been tuned up to tackle yes the 24 hours of daytona but a full season in many cases of imsa weathertech sports car action as well they don't have to take some punishment and uh, a ready amount of spares always have to be prepared 
in the wings as James Collado charges his way up the inside into the International Horseshoe and exits uh, out towards the uh, left-hand kink of the infield. Thought about a move there on the number 23, Aston Martin, but uh, there was no way through on Ricardo on uh, the 23 car rather than the 0 23, remember, it's 023 at the Leeds GTD and Agostino's Ferrari. Car 23 being the heart of racing Aston Martin entry, which is now heading back out onto the speedway. Turn one for Mario Farnbacher. Driver changes of note in the last few moments. Ryan Diel's finally got out of the number 18 LMP2 car that had been just 10 seconds or so away from the LMP2 lead, and it's Christian. Rasmussen now taking charge of that. And Loris Spinelli clambers out of the number 78 car to be replaced by Misha Goitberg. So that is car number 78, 16th in GTD in the Lamborghini Huracan for Forte Racing. As Bruce mentions, though, another race hour reached and uh, the we have now four hours and 57 minutes still to go of the 62nd edition of the Daytona 24 Hours. And Porsche Penske Motorsports, Felipe Nasser leading the way for car number seven. 15 and a half seconds is the gap. So, yes, that is growing now. It was six seconds prior to the latest round of pit stops. After they emerged from pit road, grown to eight and nine seconds. And now it's virtually doubled to 15 and a half. So, testament to Felipe Nasser's raw pace. Yeah, and looking at the pace of the Porsches in the 963s in third and fourth positions in the hands of Lawrence Van Tor in the second of the Porsche Penske Motorsport entries and Neil Yarny in the uh, number five version run by Proton Competition, that wonderful Mustang sampling uh, livery. They are lapping faster than Jack Aitken's Cadillac that, bear in mind, in the hands of Pipo Durrani, could do no wrong. But at the moment, the pace may be the ambient temperatures coming up and it's suiting the Porsches better than it did, certainly in the night. The Cadillac V-Series R was the car to have with not one but two of them running supremely well. The number 31 that's in second place now and the Zero one that was also in the top three at the time. Sudden problem out of the race. It's just one of those extraordinary things. Um, but now, very much the 963 Porsches are coming good at this point in the race. And that got advantage first to second, 15.6 seconds now, growing all the time. Because Felipe Nasa, the Brazilian driver, can just knock out lap after lap, a one minute, low 1 minute 37 second lap times. Now, Shay Adam, busy again down the pit lane. What's the very latest news? I made it all the way back into the garage, actually. And uh, you think you guys might be onto something as far as the brakes are concerned for the Corvette because they have taken off the entire front end of this car and they are working in around where the braking system is. I can see the reservoir is there for power steering as well, but I don't think that's what the issue is. Um, and they are hard at work. This is team never quit as far as Corvette racing is concerned. Earl Bamber is still behind the wheel of the car, has not gotten out and shows no indications of willingness to evacuate the uh, cockpit of the number four Corvette. As far as the car immediately behind, me and the next garage over well that's faf motorsport with their mclaren it sounds like this might be a terminal issue something within the engine oh dear well yeah bruce sort of semi-acknowledges that he thought he was onto something with that as well although uh, shay you did go down to faf motorsport and check up maybe they wanted to keep their cards close to the chest at the time because they were trying to work out precisely what the issue might be and when you don't 
know whether it's worth pitting or not. Far better to just keep the car out there. And what will be, will be, essentially. But it may well be that, uh, sadly, for both of the McLarens in the race, they've hit dramas roughly at the same time. There was the battery that needed changing for the number 70 Inception Racing 720S. Frederick Schandorf now driving that in 14th position in GT Daytona. But Marvin Kerkhofer's example for FAF Motorsports, that might be the last time we see that car in the race, sadly. Another driver changing LMP2. Uh, Josh Burden got out of the number 74 car to be replaced by Felipe Massa. And also within GT Daytona, the 45 car has just come in for a stop. So uh, that's a driver change to Graham Doyle from Danny Formal. So a, a, re a natural point, really, to get some fuel on board. And I'm sure teams will be thinking... We've got just under five hours to go. How many more stops do we need to get to the chequered flag? Now there's a driver for the Sean Creech Motorsport, Ligier from LMP2, which is right across the grass, and that is close to the Le Mans chicane. Oh, it's also missing missing completely the rear deck, the engine cover, Bruce. It looks like many a, a model car that I've constructed where you just get a little bit bored by the end and don't put all the bits on, but uh, I don't know if that came off to put it on the grass or if it came off it was, it was bouncing across the grass, but uh, all the way down in 44th position, Nolan Siegel at the wheel, but there's less car coming back into the pits than there was when it left last time around. Let's take a crowd strike pit report. Here's more from Shay. That 33 Sean Motorsport Ligier will be coming back and going straight behind the wall. I think the crew might actually have the engine cover already because the engine's been cutting out intermittently. So they're going to take it back to the garage and look at it. And now it makes the hard left turn. So Nolan Siegel. Oh, no, that is damage. Actually, that's quite severe damage that ripped the engine cover and the fin off, if you will. So, no, the crew doesn't have that piece. Uh, where around the track is it? That's the next question. Yeah, where has it landed and is it going to compromise the continuation of the race in this phase? Well, no indication quite yet that uh, race control are concerned about that. If it's well over to... It happened on the back stretch, so if it's well over to driver's left, then maybe we don't have to worry about it quite yet and within Marshall's reach. But uh, stand by your beds in terms of whether a slowing of the race pace is required in the near future. Meanwhile, 0-2-3 from the lead of GT Daytona in for a new set of Michelin tyres. And uh, they are relatively casually being changed because the fuel is the determining factor. That's the longest job during a pit stop and fuel nozzle still connected at the moment. Yeah, driver out, driver in on that one. But I'm just thinking for Sean Creech Motorsport, it's not as though they can go to another team in P2 and say, can we borrow a sort of engine cover? Because they're the only team running that Ligier JSP217. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, quite where it landed. If it came off going onto the banking in effectively Speedway's turn two, it could have ended up a very, very long way from the racing line, put it that way. So maybe in that some way that could be a blessing. On goes the 0 2 three. And it uh, will rejoin oh, right behind the number 70 McLaren that I was talking about not too long ago. Fred Chandorf brought that car in and will be heading back out onto track. Still very much waving the flag of the UK and uh, of Woking in Surrey, where McLaren are based. A couple of those cars uh, entered into this year's race. And Shea was asking the question, where on earth is the Sean Creech Motorsport bodywork? It's been located just beneath the apron, 
uh, where the car had its incident, and that is not on the not on the back stretch. It's maybe at turn two. Difficult to tell from this very very tight angle, but as the camera zooms out, it's on one of the bends, the high bank bends, and uh, I can't necessarily see an easy solution to that other than going full course caution but we stay green for the time being yeah it's at the bit at the bottom of the banking where the track level is pretty much level a little bit of slope down to the grass the green sward of the grass on the infield but uh, yeah that's very close to the racing line indeed now did I hear Shay Adams suggesting in the pit something about the possibility of rain storm clouds are moving over I noticed the last 10-15 minutes the sky whenever we get treated to seeing that has become ever darker Shay are you putting your I, hand out I to the guys I said to you guys, I don't want to be in the little black storm cloud, but there is one over the track. Um, it's moving. It's not actually on the radar, and it's moving behind where the booth is in the uh, World Center of Racing, the Daytona Rising Grandstands. It's moving away, but the temperature definitely did drop, and I did see a couple IMSA officials uh, starting to make sure that their rain gear is still out here on the pit lane. You know what? Many a time in a fantastic commentary position like the one at Daytona, you can see all that all that lies in front of you. Have no idea what's approaching off the coastline, and just the shot uh, on the screens a few moments ago showing the view behind the grandstand. It is charcoal grey. Hopefully, it's a passing phase. Hopefully, it won't touch ground. But it's a factor. So let's just remember before the arrival of any potential storm. The gap between first and second. Last time I checked, I'm in fact waiting for Jack Aitken to come through and complete lap 628. It's out to 18.6 seconds. This has been a really, really good stint for the race leading number seven, Porsche Penske Motorsport uh, 963. Don't forget that when, if, as and when rain does arrive, things can change quite quickly, particularly if it comes in very quickly and you just started another lap and comes down hard. As certainly the, the history of rain in Florida, it does tend to rain heavily or not mm -hmm. at all. Well, the biggest threat of rain over the next few hours is actually between the hours of 9 and 10 o'clock, but it's only a 17% chance of rainfall as far as I read it. Cloud cover couldn't be a lot more, up to 98%. But once we clear the next hour between 9 and 10, the chance of any rainfall should drop away to virtually nothing for the end of the race. So between the hours of midday and 2 p.m., it slipped back to three and then one percent of rain. So just got to get through this potential storm cloud. And then by 10 o'clock, certainly by 11 o'clock, we will be in the clear. But as the drivers are sweeping high on the banking as they go around uh, turn 12, it's definitely full dark sky ahead of them. We have gone caution for the loose bodywork, the um, stricken bodywork from the Sean Creech Motorsport Ligier. And obviously discussions were ongoing. Is this the moment it pinged from the rear of the car? Still there at the moment. I can see the dorsal fin uh, on the back of the car. No, the, the bodywork had come off before oh, he came down low. Ah, that's Presumably that's why he came down low. He got, he got to the chicane at the back of the circuit after a long run. This is the Sean Creech Motorsport, Ligier Nolan Siegel at the wheel. So it happened in Speedway Turn 2, or possibly even... Turn one as he was turning left, turning, turning left and spotted something was wrong with the car. Imagine suddenly losing all that downforce at the back of the car. I did see a bit of dorsal fin, but it's the very last bit and the rear of the car, which is part of the rear deck. And, of course, that's still very much attached. So rear bumper and rear wing on the car there. But there's this yawning gap between the cockpit 
and the back of the car, which covers the engine and covers an awful lot of other crucial components. I think it went very soon after he got on the banking coming out of turn six, because when you get the long shot looking from the Le Mans chicane back up to the exit of that long, long left-hander, the bodywork is not to be seen. It's down at the bottom of the track, somewhere halfway round that long, long left-hander that effectively goes through about 140 degrees to the left. Again, a nice run of green flag up until that point. So this will be a full, full course yellow, if you like, as in everybody will be cycled or can be cycled through the pits, should they choose to. Because the GTPs have not long come in for their fuel, but uh, so we, I wonder whether it'll be slightly more 50-50 as to who wants to pit and when. Oh, mind you, having said that, we are getting towards the 18 and 19 lap stints and for Lawrence Vantor in third position in the number six Porsche, he's done 20 laps now. Glance again at the radar, suggesting to me that if anything we're going to get a slight shower but the black cloud is being blown away from the Daytona International Speedway at this point. There's nothing strikingly obvious on the radar that is going to worry us in terms of a rapid turn of direction in strategy and the need to start throwing wet weather tyres at this race. The wind is certainly picking up though the sight of the Rolex flags on the infield they're really blustering on the flagpoles so my suggestion if you're living about 20 miles north of Daytona Beach get the washing back in off the line. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a slither of rainfall certainly heading towards the coastline north of here but that 17% chance of rainfall seems about right between now and 10 o'clock. It's three minutes to nine. RS2, IMSA Radio, Johnny Palmer, Bruce Jones in the Global Broadcast Centre and Shea Adam looking after the CrowdStrike pit and paddock report. 71 degrees Fahrenheit in the air. Wind speed up to 14 miles per hour now and there's an 18% chance of rain on the graphic. So I was pretty close with 17 mostly cloudy as in 98 percent cloud cover right now over the raceway as the wave by begins and shay just gave me a quick blast of an update let's get that now with crowd strike um what do you think ahead of it getting very busy down with you Faf came back up from behind the wall ah. so they did get life back into their engine uh, that's a good sign they are continuing to run around because this is basically a public test for them uh, for the remainder of the season having gotten the car not very long ago and not having very many opportunities to drive it um, just looking up and down the pit lane I noticed a couple of interesting things Greasy is going to be coming back in with the number 62 Ferrari they're going to change the rear brakes by the looks of it now they did the front brakes uh, in the middle of the night during one of the cautions when everybody came in and changed brakes Corvette racing winning that competition uh, once again for the quickest brake change but Reese going to do the rears to try and give their four all-stars the best opportunity to finally get well for three of the four of them their first Rolexes Pierre got one 10 years ago and he's been winning races ever since as far as my records show one thing that worth pointing out we were quite intrigued when the Winwood Racing entry the Mercedes number 57 that leads GTD came in it changed its front right uh Brakes on one pit stop and the following pit stop changed the front left. I've ever, never really seen uh, that done before. Maybe I've been hanging out in all the wrong places. But uh, it seemed to work for them and they're sitting on a very tidy advantage in class. Obviously decided they were, there was going to be another pit stop quite soon. This was during a period of a large amount of sort of full course yellows. But the teams work it all in different ways. But as Johnny points out, you get past the halfway point in this race. And for everybody, it is pretty much that's almost like the clarion call, the signal. From now on in, you're going to have a brake change to be doing. 
and it's all about not losing much time in doing so. It was losing as little time as possible. What has happened, of course, full course yellow. Do you remember a moment ago, Felipe Nasser was leading by 18 and a half seconds? It's down to four seconds now. It's going to fall all the way more because Jack Aitken, with the course vehicle up ahead, the pace car leading them round, is closing right onto the tail. And you know what? The person who will be smiling the most will be the driver called Lawrence Van Tour. He's in yeah. third place in the number six Porsche. That was the car that had to serve a, st a stop, a 10-second stop for exceeding power usage uh, when uh, Mathieu Jaminet was on board. And the, the majority of that, it ended. It's, it's gained them about 40 seconds. It's got them back into the pack. It was about 20 minutes ago, I was saying. If it hadn't, if it hadn't been for that, then... Uh, We'd have had a three-car battle at the front of the field. The full course yellow is producing a three-car battle at the front of the field. And next in line will be Neil Yarny. So uh, the number five Proton Competition Porsche will be right in the mix all over again. Sorry, Shay, down in the pit lane. More news from you. Uh, the fat Porsche was just psyching us out, guys. It's already back behind the wall. And uh, it is starting to sprinkle as the pits are now open for the prototypes. So the GTP cars who are going to be coming in, it looks like a lot of them are going to be switching onto either scrubbed rubber or new Michelin rubber. If this rain, uh, well, I'm not even going to call it rain at this point, but if this wetness that is lightly falling from the sky continues and intensifies, that would be a nightmare situation for all these drivers. Would it just you'd be wanting that you want to be the, in the class that pits last under this full course yellow? But right now, the, the Cadillac is almost at your feet, Jay. The GTPs are in. Yes, it is. And there will not be a driver change for Jack Aitken staying aboard the number 31 Whalen Engineering Cadillac, but he is getting four brand new Michelin tires. There's a driver change going on for the 40. That's the WTR Andretti Acura. The red one, Louis Delacraz is out. Colton Hurley getting in four new Michelins for them as well. For both of the Porsches into the pits, it is full service, but for the number six, Kevin Estra has been installed behind the wheel. No driver change for the number seven, so it should still be Felipe Nazar. Four new tires for each of these cars. The seven drops off the air jack slightly before the six. The seven gets rolling before the six. That's good news because that's the way that they are pitted. And the first car back out into the fast lane was that number seven of Felipe Nasser. The second car was the 31 Action Express car. That would be the Whalen Engineering Cadillac. Then the number six Porsche. And finally, the 40 Acura. So a little bit of a change up on the pit lane. Yeah, but just a bit further down the pit lane, Neil Yarny in the number five Porsche has actually got to the third in that line. He was pitting from a bit further down the pit lane. So instead of falling back a position, Neil Yarny has gone up one. Lawrence Van Tor has gone down one. And Louis Delatraz, though right in the mix, we didn't talk about him too much, the Wayne Taylor uh, Acura, but uh, we've got the t first five cars, as happens under full course yellow, coming out almost nose to tail. But it is that number seven Porsche that retains the lead of the race. But for Jack Aitken, he'll be going, thank you, I'm yeah. now in the battle again. So out they go, and uh, right at the point of, of the GT cars trying to head into the International Horseshoe as well, of course. So that's a, a little awkward, but they'll all get information in a moment and permission to overtake the relevant cars. As academic as it may be, I actually have now confirmation that the rear deck of the Sean Creech Motorsport Ligier, that had become stranded at NASCAR turns three and four in actual fact. So it had been there for at least a lap, and then the incident outbreaking itself into the chicane or being off track was kind of later on on the next lap. Well, we also had footage of the car driving across the grass. Whether yes. that was coming out of the chicane, it was quite hard to tell, but that's interesting. So imagine going into the trioval right in front of that giant grandstand, not knowing you haven't got your rear bodywork. Well, so it's true. just come off at the entrance of the penalty of the final corner, but for Sean Creech Motorsport and Nolan Siegel, that would have been 
eye-opening, I think, or character-building. Or... So, so we reckon Alicia lost the rear bodywork earlier in the stint, I mean, possibly only two or three laps previously, and then the engine cut out, because definitely that uh, the engine cover had come to a rest underneath the... On, just off the apron, or on the apron, I should say, underneath the double yellow line at either NASCAR Turn 3 or Turn 4, so in that final sector... Still an awful lot of weaving going on, particularly for the cars that have just made their stops, the GTPs, onto fresh rubber, cold rubber, more to the point. So they're trying to hurl those cars around as much as possible to generate some tyre temperature, as now into the pits come the GTD Pros and the GTDs, and Shea Adam can keep us up to date with this CrowdStrike pit report. Was not expecting to see the Paul Miller Racing BMW back in, but they have a new filter that will go in underneath the hood, very similar to what Turner Motorsport had before their car had all of the major issues earlier on that resulted in them going behind the wall. But fear not, Justin is on it, and he is replacing the filter. Behind them, Risi Competizioni changing the rear brakes as anticipated. Perfect opportunity to do all this. It is full service for the number 12 Lexus. Uh, that being fuel and tires, no driver change as far as I can tell. And also anticipating coming in is the number 83. That's the Iron Games machine. As away goes the Paul Miller BMW, still in the pits, though, for Reese. They've got time, but they need to be careful not to lose a lap on this. Uh, it looks like they might have been doing a shock adjustment. Oh, no, no, no. They were adding fluid. Uh, let me go see what the fluid was. Brembo, brake fluid was going in the Ferrari, so that all adds up. They changed the front brakes a lot earlier on. They're still working on the rears. The number 12 Lexus is back out and moving. Reese will be the last car on the pit lane, doing a windshield clean as well. Now, where is the safety car around the track? The rain has disappeared. Johnny, you'll be able to see where the cars are, uh, if not anything else, the dancing ants. Oh, interesting. They cleaned the windshield of Reese and then determined that it needed a full windshield tear-off because they couldn't actually get it clean enough. Left rear wheel has gone back on. Let me dive around the right side and see how that brake change is going. Having a little bit of issue getting it seated properly, trying to get it screwed back on. Let's see if they can get it. Starting to get nervous now. I can hear the safety car train making its way around the banking. Don't see anything yet, though, and they do have an opportunity because the pits do not close again until the safety car has reached box number 10, which is where MDK used to be before they retired. Whoa, we're still having issues trying to get that brake comfortable. The guys are now happy with it. They put the Michelin back on, secure the car, drop it off the air jacks, fire it up. Away it goes. I do not see the safety car, so Reese will not lose a lap. They must be somewhere in uh, to Speedway turns three and four right now, and the clear-up is still ongoing. So, yeah, it was getting tight. I heard what you were saying, but sector two just being ticked off by the race leaders in GTP, and... It won't be a restart this time around, but I, also it was the fact that the safety car was about to cross the line and get to pit box 10, and that would then automatically close pit lane exit road, but they managed to sneak out just in time in the number 62 car, and confirmation of that as the pit symbol on my timing screen flashes to outlap for James Collado in his Risi Competizione Ferrari. So Neil Verhagen leading in GTD Pro ahead 
uh, in the Paul Miller Racing BMW ahead of that rejoining Ferrari and in third position Michael Christensen in the AO Racing Porsche number 77. It's going to be a latish pit stop for the number eight car of James Allen from Dragon Speed. So this Orica heading to pit road and not going to be a penalty because you're not allowed to serve penalties whilst we're under full course caution. So they are a long way up pit road. Also Spike having uh, some work done to his nose and uh, a big old boot to get that uh, front clip actually free from the number 99 Orica. Yeah, well, don't forget that Spike, the car we're talking about, the Orica 99 from the crew at AO Racing, had that little clash with the uh, tyre wall with uh, Matt, Matt Brabham a while ago in this stint when it went off, and uh, not in this stint, in this stage of the race where it went off, so any damage done there has been replaced. Dragon Speed complete their pit stop. In fact, the pit lane remarkably empty at this point. The turn of motorsport BMW working its way down, lights flashing right behind Spike as they turn left and left again as they go behind the pits to uh, rejoin the circuit. So, as you were, the gaps, of course, under full course yellow have been closed enormously. So, Felipe Nasser leading the race, kind of a seven, Porsche Penske Motorsport, Jack Aitken right under his tail with Neil Yarny under his tail. So, the Swiss driver and his crew at Proton Competition did a good job of put a privateer Porsche between the two works Porsches. It's a dangerous occupation to go anywhere near it dragon's nose in the books i've read they're normally fire breathing aren't they so uh had to maybe stuff those nostrils full of um some water soaked cotton wool to make sure that nothing was going to set fire there and yeah, uh, they've just managed managed to carry it out it's, it's always good to know which part of an animal may cause trouble i went to a place once where you could swim with stingrays and sharks oh, and yeah. their instruction to us before they turfed us overboard uh, was just remember you stroke the stingray from the front to the middle and the shark from the middle to the back not the other way around that's very easy to get mixed up, isn't oh, it? so confused. I've only got one arm. I can say it's only a mistake you're going to make once, though, and uh, then it's firmly in the brain for uh, later research. Uh, so he's patched up well, is Bruce, actually, since that experience. Typing speed has dropped a little bit. But, a touch, yeah. We're still on a full course caution. We had nearly 19 and a half hours still to go. It's 10 past nine in the morning at Daytona International Speedway. Sunday morning, day two of the 62nd edition of the 24 hours of Daytona. And you're tuned to RS2 IMSA Radio for all the coverage of this wonderful event held annually during the final weekend of January. We're at the track on 107.9 FM, WDIS, and on Channel 207 on Sirius XM. All the way through to the chequered flag at 1.40 this afternoon. And, of course, that's the end of the race, yes, but it's the beginning of the post-race reflection and the stories of what has unfolded in front of us over 24 hours. So don't forget to join the rest of the team for Michelin post-race tech from 1.40 onwards. We'll have some of the podiums and definitely the post-race driver interviews of those that have won Rolex watches and those that have come very, very close but maybe just missed out uh, as we sum up today and yesterday's proceedings. Not a happy camp down at Faf Motorsports, though. Their number nine car uh, back behind the wall, and Shea reported that that was the case um, about 10, 15 minutes or so ago as they continued to battle issues with the number nine McLaren. Yeah, now one car I was concerned about, just about to mention, was the number four Corvette. That I was about to say at least one thing. Some drivers win and lose and gain 
accordingly uh, to how a full course yellow falls but it does give a chance for all the corners to be cleared up all the debris and the number four corvette of course was the one with earl bamber on board put loads of earth on the track and dust and dirt down at the Le Mans chicane that has been cleared up and a great delay in the corvette racing garage back behind the pit lane and uh, the Kiwi just been put back on board, but that car has tumbled all the way down to 38th position overall. It seems it was a, a braking problem that left him with very few options going into the chicane. So uh, that appears to have been fixed, but it has led to an enormous fall down the order because the number four at the moment has uh, 574 laps completed and the other cars in class, the GTD Pro, the best of those, has 589. So you don't have to do too much much maths to work out that's a 15-lap disaster and delay for the crew of the number four Corvette. Exactly four and a half hours still to go, and we cannot be too far away now from the restart. Keeping an eye on the latest race control messages, and yeah, the class split within prototype has already been instructed. That was three or so minutes ago, and Michael Christensen back in the race. So GT Pro, uh, a pit stop away from the Neil Verhagen and James Collado visits to the pit lane. The Paul Miller Racing and that lengthy stop for Risi Competizioni, don't forget. AO Racing's Porsche has just been in and back out again, retaining Michael Christensen. On a Frio 3RC in the Competizioni Ferrari from the same team name, uh, 0-2-3 leading GTD from Indy Donchers, Windward Racing, Mercedes, and then Mike Skeen for Kortoff, Preston Motorsports, Mercedes-AMG. The pace is beginning to quicken now as we are raring to go for the next segment of the Daytona 24 hours. It's the Rolex 24 at DIS for 2024. And weaving frantically from left to right because you've got to make sure that the brakes and more crucially the tyres are going to do what they are designed to do as you hit the brakes into the first sequence of corners. We are go again at Daytona with a killer getaway for Felipe Nasser. Jack Aitken can't do much about drawing alongside, but what about the second of the Porsche Penske Motorsport cars around the outside of the Proton 963, and they are absolutely neck and neck, and you can be sure that Kevin Estra is not going to allow the car driven by Neil Jarney to cut back across his bows, and he certainly does not do that. Jarney caught sleeping here, because now around the outside of his all-black 963 comes Colton Herter in the Acura to bag fourth position on the infield. Did that really well. I think Jarney was caught out with the consequence of a consequence. He had to lift a little bit to let the uh, number six uh, Porsche go through the works car in the hands of Kevin Estra, and the result of that slightly offline. So, perfect timing for Joe Bradley to return to the pit lane as uh, we go back fully green. Welcome back to the crowd, crowd strike pit lane crew. So, busy, busy, busy out on the track, but the important thing for the port Penske, Porsche Penske Motorsport crew is their cars are no longer first and fourth, they're first and third, but Felipe Nass is trying to escape, but Jack Aitken, well, the first few quarters until they got high on the banking, he stayed relatively close, but uh, once... Uh, the power was put down from Felipe Nasa. He's completely on his own as he goes into the chicane. Nearly a second advantage. And then you get uh, third, fourth and fifth nose to tail. And that's in the order of, uh, of course, uh, Kevin Estra, uh, Colton Herter and down from third to fifth, Neil Yarny. 
Another race control message, this time concerning the Lone Star Racing Mercedes, driven by Adam Christodoulou. The wheels rotated whilst that car was elevated in the pit lane, so that's an automatic drive-through. And the crew that have been just sneaking into the top six, maybe unnoticed, certainly not for Lone Star Racing, they'd seen them all the way, but that is going to peg them back as uh, the completion of the first green flag lap is done now. Nazza from Aiken is a second, and it's just 0.4 of a second back to Kevin Estra, who's desperate to try and make it a 1-2 order for Penske Motorsports in their 963. Estra cannot find a way by Jack Aiken just yet. He's not quite close enough, but there are one or two stray GTD cars already to maybe have to nip by, and that will spice things up, perhaps present the Frenchman with an opportunity. Charging down the inside of the Corvette number four there was Colton Herter to make sure that he wasn't going to be slowed at all through turn six and the Acura remaining in fourth position. It's when you get the shakeout after you've had a full course yellow period where all the GTPs get shuffled to the front. And of course, we know we've talked a lot as the number four Corvette is brought back out of the garage and soon be back in the pit lane. Applause from the fans down there. They worked really hard to get the braking problem sorted. But just to finish my point, you've got. Uh, Timon van der Helm, the last of the drivers on the lead lap in GTP, but he suddenly got the two BMWs right with him on the same bit of uh, tarmac, Rennie Rast and Augusto Farfus, and also the car that's way, way down the order, all the way 43rd overall, the second of the Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti Acuras, and Marcus Ericsson, Ericsson has every right to be in that mix, and of course he's thinking, what could it be, but they seem to have every disaster under the sun, but the fact they're still running, here we are, just uh, four hours and 20 minutes remaining, yeah, accolade to the team. Yeah, so apologies for the confusion about the number four Corvette. That is returning to the racetrack, but the one that was being uh, lapped again by the Acura was, in fact, the number three of Alexander Sims. Nass has just done a 135.605, and I hesitate to say, I think that's the fastest lap of the race that he's just gone through. 35.6 is really pushing on. He'll have brand-new tyres on that car, and it's just been posted now, and that's the time to try and do it. I mean, you don't get any more points for a fastest lap, but it's some statement to be throwing down to Cadillac and to Acura to show how much pet speed Petsky Motorsports have with a little over four hours to go. Yeah, and that hasn't just picked the previous mark set by Pupa Durrani in the 31 uh, Cadillac. It's beaten it by a full quarter of a second, and when you're dealing normally in tenths of seconds, that is quite mighty. So he's also he's, he's mastered a car on cool tyres. Of course, it lost the temperatures behind, and he's really floored it. And the most important thing for him right now isn't so much that pace, it's the fact he's gradually dropping Jack Aitken all over again. 1.4 seconds is the margin between first and second. So a wonderful effort, and uh, obviously Felipe Nasser will have been uh, working out his opening lap coming out of the full course caution for many of the slower laps when he was weaving the car from left to right. Drivers in splendid isolation to try and attack that first and second and third lap as much as they can. The third place fight is much closer between Kevin Est and Colton Herter, and Herter now right on the tail of the French driver as they do the Daytona wiggle through turn two and now into the International Horseshoe. 
And while all that was happening, we saw Neil Jarney getting shuffled back from uh, third in the running order to fifth. I noticed his last lap was the second fastest lap of the race, just yeah. a tenth of a second down on Felipe Nasser. So uh, as those GTP cars run almost nose to tail, the first... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of them covered by five seconds. They are really pulling each other along. But what happens soon? They hit the tail of the craft traffic. And then, of course, advantage to the race leader, Felipe Nasser. He'll have the chance to weave his way through. Everybody else will be on a slightly compromised line. Also quicker than it's been all race, the JDC Miller Motorsports 963 in the hands of Timon von der Helm. His time a 136.105. So we've got a lot of green appearing on the timing screen. And that wonderful lap from Felipe Nasser turning purple in the best column let's see whether we can get into the the mid-range of the 135s 135.5 perhaps may still be possible in the remaining now how many more laps are we expecting from this race it's always a movable feast but 780 maybe the late seven 770s to be expected. So there's about 140 laps still to go on current pace. Now, do you like a class battle? I certainly do. And in GTD, we've got a fantastic 1.17 of a second between the class leading Onofrio Triassi, written Triassi Competizione Ferrari, and being hunted down and absolutely in the slipstream is Indy Doncha, the young Dutch racer in the 57 Windward Racing Mercedes looking as they go towards the chicane, looking to the outside, looking to the inside, late on the break as the Ferrari has he outbraked himself, and Onofrio Triazzi bouncing over the curbs and somehow hangs onto that black and red Ferrari, but certainly a little bit of caution behind him uh, from Indy Doncha, but he was more concerned with getting a good exit from the chicane to then use the speed on the banking, he's four car lengths behind, he was closer before the chicane, but with each you know, 100 yards or so around the banking, the BMW, the Mercedes getting closer and closer to the Ferrari, right in front of the main grandstands they come, looking in the slipstream, down into two, just two car lengths behind, one car length behind, the car up ahead, I think it's actually the number 120, Chip Hart Racing, Porsche, can't be too sure, but down into turn one, Onofrio Triassi keeps hold of the class lead, but he's really pushing hard, the front end of that Ferrari, washing to the left, washing to the right, and in the blink of an eye, Indy Doncha will go for a gap, there's a gap, but it's only half a gap. The Dutchman pulls out of it. Good idea down into turn three. Yeah, but obviously Triassi needing, knowing that he usually needs to push on like crazy, and Indy Doncha in the reverse, realising this is maybe the best opportunity of the current stint to fashion the overtake and wrestle the race lead back again within GTD. So absolutely nose to tail, and whilst we concentrate on the car in front from Doncha's machine, let's not forget Aaron Tielitz for Vassar Sullivan in the Lexus RCF. He's only 2.7 seconds back, and Aaron's just done the best sector one time of that car for the race so far. Darting to the left, darting now to the right, Indy Doncha's right in the slipstream of Onofrio Triassi in the Triassi Competizione Ferrari. Is there going to be the chance here to sow the seed of doubt in Triassi's mind as they head towards the Le Mans chicane? Actually, that Ferrari looks very good on the brakes. It took the tighter line, the defensive line, into the left-right, right-left sequence of the bus stop chicane on the back straight, and back onto the high banks they go. Same order. It was last time, just as impressive through the chicane as it was last time. The Ferrari does look incredibly well balanced, but again hunting, hoping, if Triassi can get any closer to the uh, 
Chip Hart racing with Ryan Motorsport Porsche up ahead that's running way down in class. Uh, then he may get a tow, but right now he's not quite close enough. And the person getting the tow is Indy Doncha. He's only being shown the outside line, only place to try and go around into turn one, but he uh, backs it off. And right in behind him, he's got the car that's leading the uh, GTD Pro class. He's got the uh, car, the number one BMW M4 GT3, driven by Neil Verhagen. Does a lot of the young American does a lot of his racing in Europe, a lot of experience in uh, Nurburgring, also the Spa 24 Hours. But uh, he's got company as well. So this is what I love after a full course yellow period. You suddenly get these battles, but uh, obviously you get the the flux between GTD and GTD Pro. And uh, right now Neil Verhagen, he's sitting on a tiny, tiny lead in class, trying to see who's tucked under the, the rear wing. He seems safe for the moment in the lead of GTD Pro, but uh, it's only listed as one-tenth of a second. In fact, no, it's uh, James Collado who's closed right in. 0.145 of a second, so GTD Pro class battle is immediately behind the first two battling for GTD honours. Uh, no advantage is being gained as yet by Indy Dodgy, but he's giving it a very, very good fist of it. And at the lead of the race between uh, the number seven Porsche and the number 31 Cadillac, the advantage is far bigger. It's out to 2.6 seconds. Jack Aitken falling behind Felipe Nazza. First and second overall, but uh, still some cracking racing here with uh, just over four hours remaining in this, the 60-second running of the Daytona 24 hours. Doncha again trying to get the best possible run out of turn six. They, they, we always talk about that corner being so crucial because it will be it can manifest itself into a good opportunity into the chicane they're a little further around though now that uh, heading out towards the trioval so speedway turn four done now the mercedes in chevron formation compared to the ferrari just over the right shoulder of triassi but uh indy Doncha not getting the chance to slip up the inside there and he would have been brave to do it on the outside, much like Kevin Estra did on Neil Jarney at the restart in GTP. This backmarking GTD car is just starting to compromise Triassi's route into various corners, I would say. It's a distraction rather than being balked at this stage because there's still good speed from that Porsche up ahead. Yeah, it's Elliot Skier doing a very, very good job. He's running eighth in class, but he is about to go a lap down on the class leader, the class leader who is right on his rear. But every time he gets in close, Onofrio Triassi in the 0.23, Ferrari has to look at his mirrors. He knows Indy Dodge is there. Thus far, Indy has got close, the 31-year-old Dutchman, but he hasn't made a move. He had a little look about two laps ago going into turn three. Wasn't close enough. He backed out. But I think he's just waiting until Onofrio can catch that Porsche up ahead. Try and he'll have to try and lap it. He doesn't actually really care whether he laps it or not, but he just wants to get clear track ahead of him. And this time, looking to the outside, closer than ever before, and he dodges the high side as they go into the Le Mans chicane, very much down the low side, slightly compromised line there for Triassi. Oh, oh tail out on the Ferrari. Oh, I, I do love so. that. Yeah, but again, yeah, again that's down to uh, Triassi being forced to that line. He wants to stay way over to the left to prevent the Mercedes from getting underneath. And then, because your approach to the corner is far from ideal, you're asking a lot of the tyres, and there was a bit of over-rotation there, I'm convinced of it, from the Triassi Competizione Ferrari. Wonderful car control from Onofrio, and back across the stripe they go. But the pace, and more importantly, the pressure, is not letting up from Indy Doncha, and he just needs... Well, what he's thinking is, I'm just going to sit here and wait for a mistake. Problem is could still be waiting another half an hour on from here 
And also, Indy's got another problem. He's got he's got the Paul Miller Racing GTD leading uh, BMW right on his tail. Neil Verhagen being he's about a second back almost just out of the image in fact just shows how well these GTD runners are going at this point in the race but also bear in mind that uh, for Neil Verhagen right in behind him he's got James Collado point uh, point not very much at all between them point three six of a second between Verhagen leading GTD Pro and the BMW and James Collado giving chase in the Ritzy Competizione Ferrari that's car number 62 into turn six taking a fairly serious look was Indy Doncha hasn't quite happened for him but he's got a fairly decent exit a better exit I would warrant than uh, Onofrio Triazzi Onofrio started to go a little bit deep into some of these corners and can't always gather it up as much as he wants but he is still leading the class not by much and you can understand why we're so focused on this GTD battle you're missing nothing out front in the GTPs Felipe Nasser leading by 3.4 seconds again the Ferrari will be the first into the Le Mans chicane, but there was more of a squirm there, and there was a better run through the chicane for Indy Doncha, so this might be the Mercedes driver's best opportunity. He's very, very close to the rear of the Ferrari. There might not be much that Triassi can do on this occasion, but I have to tell you that 296 is straight line speed, and when I say straight line, through speedway turns three and four as well. But here comes the Mercedes, fully overlapping the Ferrari, doesn't want to cut across the bows of it just yet because it's not quite clear they've all got spotters these cars and Dodger will have been told you're not clear you're not clear and you can't overtake at turn one quite yet you know just looking at looking at that uh, certainly Indy Dodger just cut a little more slack than possibly was required went a little bit higher and left enough space for Onofrio Triassi to get his Ferrari in there but up behind I think we've had a change of position yeah, James Collado has moved ahead of uh, Neil Verhagen, so it's now a Ferrari leading GTD and GTD Pro because uh, the Ritzy Competizione Ferrari has got through and having got through, and they're both being passed by our race leader by looks things. That's the number seven uh, Porsche 963 going around the outside of turn three, around side, the outside of that GTD battle, but it had already got past uh, before we had the change in GTD Pro. So the red Ferrari with the white stripes on the roof now leading that class, and it's a question of whether Neil Verhagen can hang on or will he fall away? And uh, here comes Indy Johnson now with the underlap, so that should be job done because the Mercedes has the inside line at Speedway Turn 1, but here comes the Ferrari on the high side, a bit of side draft and also maybe slightly better straight line speed, as I've mentioned, and I'm not sure whether can the Mercedes break a little later. The difficulty is that uh, the Wayland car wants to get by as well, but there's the lead change for GT Daytona as long as Indy Doncic can hang on to the Mercedes, which in itself was very squirrely through the corner, and now the Ferrari of Triassi underneath that giant rear wing of Indy Dodger's win Ward Racing Mercedes. To the high side goes Colton Herter in the Wayne Taylor Racing Acura ARX. And who's this on the boot lid now? Is that uh, James Collado? James Collado, who's about a second down. He's going to... Oh, three, three abreast. abreast. Why not? We love that. So Neil Verhagen's got the grandstand seat and cutting under, <laughs> under all of them, but I think about to dive in the pits. No, just cutting under all of them is, is one of the prototypes. It's the number five Neil Jarney-driven. Uh, Porsche 963 it's suddenly very busy but uh, read to perfection by James Collado and again I do really think that Onofrio Triazzi was taking quite a lot of the life out of his tyres for the last few laps we had that wonderful tail out moment not so wonderful him for him but for us viewing and commentating on the race fabulous you don't often see a GT3 car going sideways like that Red to perfection, Scarlet to the fore for James Collado and the Risi Competizione Ferrari, but in GT Daytona it's no longer a prancing horse 
leading that class in the sort of I don't really want to call it the secondary GT class. It's just that they're the non-pro cars, but superb driving from both Indy Doncha and Onofrio Triassi there to leave the Mercedes just ahead as they come out of turn six and back onto speedway turn one for GTD, which kept us enthralled for a good 10 minutes or so there and has done pretty much all race long. But Indy Doncha in the Mercedes from Windward back to the front as it has been for so long it certainly has but what i'm saying i'm actually just really glad they just got that move done before all the front runners and gtp mm. cars came through we had the number seven race leader felipe nasa going through that didn't really interrupt their battle but uh, certainly for onofrio triazzi having been passed and then a whole host of prototypes came past he's fallen off the tail now of um indy doncha and uh, whether he can uh, use one of those uh, prototypes to get back close he certainly seems to have lost a little bit of a margin he's not on the tail of the BMW of the uh, Mercedes at all so windward racing it was a question of just biding your time and looking for the gap and making it work but certainly you'd have to say that Indy Donce was starting to run out of options when it came to trying to find another line another way of unseating the Ferrari but he did get the job done this programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.